Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big Sills National Football Show. It is Super Bowl 57 week. Are you ready to rock and roll? How you doing? Bang. Here we are, man. Unbelievable. I cannot wait. I cannot wait until Sunday. When a lot of our questions, direction in the offseason are going to be answered. I can't wait, man. I cannot wait. We have a ton of topics and also, we're going to get guys on that have won Super Bowls. So at 4.30 Eastern, one of the greatest rivalries back in the early 2000s were Eagles and Buccaneers. Brad Johnson's going to join us, the quarterback of the Bucks, who ended up winning a Super Bowl. We're going to talk to him about those great rivalries, get his thoughts on both quarterbacks entering the game, and then the legendary Merrill Reese at 5.30 Eastern will join us. How you doing? Can't wait. Can't wait, really. You know, before we get going, though, I had a back and forth with Seth Joyner. Pasta Vazul Tuesday? I like that. Pasta Vazul Tuesday? I dig that. All right. So I had a back and forth on my Twitter page. And if you guys aren't following me on my Twitter, please do at Dan Celio show. And I posted from yesterday's show or tone and everyone posted a soundbite where I said that Jalen Hurts has got to play better than he's played in the postseason. Seth fired back at me and said, no, he doesn't. So before we get going, and, and again, I respect Seth and you know this, you know how much I love the guy, you know how much I revere the guy. But do you really think that the Eagles can win the Super Bowl if Jalen Hurts averages 133 yards passing and 40 yards rushing? Do you think the Eagles really beat the Chiefs and Andy Reid? I want to see I, – I, and, and I posted that. I want to see that. I want to see that because I think he's got to make some plays in the passing game. I don't think he has to out – I don't think anybody thinks here that Jalen has to outplay Patrick Mahomes, I think if he just doesn't turn it over, make some plays in the passing game, and he's able to move the chains with his legs, I, I, I think that's eagle football. Okay? I think that's eagle football. And again, I'm not trying to get a back and forth here going here a little bit, but what I'm asking you is, I disagree with Seth. I don't think that I, 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 I don't think Jalen could play mediocre like that and beat the Chiefs. 130, and he goes, well, the team has been averaging 200 yards rushing for the two playoff games. That's, that's a great stat, and it is. But I think you're going to have to do more than just run the ball on the Chiefs to beat them. His notion is this, Jalen doesn't have to play well as long as the Eagles run the ball and they run the ball effectively. They're going to beat them. I don't know. 
I think if you – so you're just going to put 2,000-yard wide receivers on the shelf and not use them in a tight end? Hey, listen, and again, that's right, Neil. It's all good. Seth thinks that they could just line up and run the ball and beat him. I don't think Jalen Hurts has played well in the postseason. I'll, I'll stick to that. Has, has not played well. Now, we're going to walk back and go, well, he's hurt. And I agree with that, too. I think he has an injury that's significant. Okay? I think A.J. or Goddard, I think they have the potential of having big games. I really do. I do. I, I think A.J. and Goddard have a chance to have some pretty good games because I don't know about you, man. Two cornerbacks, I don't care if they're the Chiefs. I don't care if they're playing for Andy. I'm going to threaten that. I'm going to test that at least, at minimum, right? M. Reyes goes, the Eagles' offense has been efficient. Yeah, because they haven't had to be spectacular against anybody. Actually, the Eagle offense hasn't had to be spectacular in two months. I mean, they haven't been. In two months, they have not been spectacular like they were in the months of September and October. They haven't been spectacular at all. I mean, as a matter of fact, they've actually been pretty average, except the run game. The run game has been what it is, and it's always going to be because of those two guys and three guys and five guys that they have up front, Jeff Stoutland. I'll say this to you. And tell me if you guys agree or disagree before we move on to the topics here. I'm going to compare Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey to someone. Now, I know that with the Raiders, Shell and Upshaw were guard tackle, and this is center tackle. But I think this is the best duo that have been on an offensive line and a team that could potentially win their second Super Bowl in five years. I think you could compare them to Shell and Upshaw. I think Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson can be compared to Upshaw and Shell. Playing on the same line, forces that have driven this team to two Super Bowls is pretty impressive. Let's, let's not forget here, Shell and Upshaw were mainstays on that team. I think these two guys, because Lane's going to go down as one of the greatest right tackles next to Forrest Gregg that have ever played, and Ron Yeri, he's going to go down in that conversation. And Kelsey's going to go down as arguably one of the greatest centers next to Mike Webster. He's better than Kevin Mawai. And these guys are dominators like Shell and Upshaw were. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey are the equivalent to Shell and Upshaw, the way they dominate. That football team is driven by those two guys. And it's allowed the quarterback to come along and develop because you have two Hall of Fame guys on that line. Think about this. Do you understand that most offensive lines in the NFL today don't have two good players, let alone Hall of Fame players, playing in the O-line? That's not common. That's not, I mean, even the Cowboy line with Gogan and Nate and Eric Williams, there were no Hall of Famers on that line with Stepnoski and those guys. 
They didn't have any Hall of Famers on that line. As good as it was, no Hall of Famers. This line has two bona fide first ballot Hall of Famers. You you will never see that. You having two guys like that on one unit at the same time and pushing the legacy of the Eagles forward is uncommon. I do agree. Dickerson's going to be great. Shit, Dickerson's great already. He's great already. I think Sayomalo would be a tut. That would be a tough let loose if Howie has to let him go. Balada's going to be a, he is going to be a perennial all pro left tackle as well. I see nothing but greatness for him. He, he's got all the intangibles. And what's crazy about him, he's not even remotely gotten close to his max yet. He, he, he's just learning the position. Jordan Malad is going to be a superstar. He's easily the best athlete. Well, I'm not going to say easily. I'm going to back that one up too because Lane's a hell of an athlete. Zach Martin and Tyron Smith, I don't think they're as good as these two guys as a combo. I think Zach is great. Okay? But Kelsey and Lane Johnson are first ballot Hall of Famers. I'll tell you something about Eagle fans. You guys, coming out of the Norman Brayman era, you're spoiled by some of the greatest linemen that have ever played in the NFL. Dude, that is such a massive, that is such a massive statement for the Eagles. Watch this. You guys may not have the greatest wide receivers in NFL history, but boy, I'll tell you what, you're producing some of the greatest old linemen of all time. And you win with old linemen. You don't win with wideouts. If you don't have the horses up front, you ain't winning. I don't give a shit who you have out wide. Championships are not built from the perimeter in. They're built from the inside to the perimeter. That's how you build championship teams. That's why the Eagles are dominant. It's because the Eagles build a team from the inside out. They never have built a team from the wide receivers in. Remember Matt Millen going out and getting all those wide receivers and not having an offensive line? What's the point? Those horses up front? I mean, I, I started thinking, God, can you think of anybody else? Art Shell and Gene Upshaw for Kelsey and Lane Johnson. I mean, th- think about it over the last couple of years. Hall of Fame duo in the O-line. Who's had a Hall of Fame duo? I can't even think of anybody in New England, even with all those championships they won. I'm trying to think somebody in, in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning. No, I can't think of a duo there. Saturday was good. Tarek Glenn was a good offensive tackle, but really? Jonathan Ogden, and then who, Stephen? Who else on that Raven line? Bryant McKinney? Okay, Jonathan Ogden's a Hall of Famer. Bryant McKinney's not. You know, he's a college Hall of Famer, and I love him. He's from the U, but I mean, and we're boys, but Kelsey and... Lane Johnson in that category? I don't know if I've seen it. I, I, I'm trying to think over the last 30 years who's had Hall of Fame duo linemen in the offensive line. Not even that Cowboy team. 
The 49ers, you want to know the 49ers won all those Super Bowls and that one guy from the old lines in the Hall of Fame? I'm trying to think, man. People with great dynasties. The Steelers had Mike Webster and no one else off that old line make the Hall of Fame. Only Upshaw and Shell can I think of where you had two first ballot Hall of Famers. Shell and Upshaw, man. Shell and Upshaw. That's quite a statement. It would be great. To, I mean, I, I I know that Jason, Jason Kelsey should go out the same time Lane goes out, and they both go into the Hall of Fame the same time together because they deserve it, especially if they deliver another Super Bowl. Randy Cross is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's on tomorrow, by the way. Winner of three Super Bowls with Joe Montana. Kuchenberg and Larry Little, and also the center. The center's in the Hall of Fame, and Larry Little's in the Hall of Fame. Greasy, that's pretty good. Okay? The center's in the Hall of Fame, and so is Larry Little. Um, Kuchenberg should be in the Hall of Fame. Look where you have to go back to the 70s, though. The Vikings had two guys. Ed White should also be in the Hall of Fame, but Kelsey and Lane Johnson have made a statement over the last 20, 30 years. It's the best duo of linemen in the history, in the recent history of the NFL. Last 30 years, they're the best. They're the best. They were staples on that 17 Super Bowl, and they're staples this year. It's crazy. Congratulations, man. That is some statement. Some statement. Some statement. All right. Per Tim McManus, as we get into the topics, Eagles CEO Jeffrey Lurie told Sal Palantonio, our very own here on Jacob Sports, Jalen Hurts has nothing to prove. We view him as the long-term answer at quarterback. They were asking in context, does that mean a contract extension? He's exactly what we're looking for. Pretty vague, but kind of to the point. He's our guy, but what the owner of the Eagles doesn't want to do is tip his hand because negotiations do have to start. And I'm glad, finally, that the Eagles... And someone in the media had the cannolis to ask the owner the question. Burroughs' owner was asked. Mike, Mike Brown was asked. The Spanishes were asked about Herbert. And finally, Jalen Hurts' owner was asked. And he vaguely put it out there. He vaguely put it out there. Because you know why? Money is going to be the significant part of this. Now, let me ask you something here. I think it's kind of interesting the way... I think it's kind of interesting the way he answered it. I think it's kind of interesting. Has nothing to prove. I don't think really anybody, including myself. Because... Some of you guys ask me this all the time. Sales, would you trade him? No, this is what you've built this team around. 
You're not going to rip this thing apart now. This is your guy. This is the style of football you want to go forward with. Okay. We're sitting here, and we have to cover that. I'm not going to sit here and keep going like this, trade the guy, do that. That's not what they're doing. So they're going to build the team around this style of play. Okay. I think it's interesting, though, how he answered it. Want to show too much here. Did not want to show too much. How much is fair to pay Jalen Hurts and keep the team around him? He needs more of a team around him than Mahomes does. Dual threat needs more players around him. A guy like Mahomes doesn't need it because of the arm talent. Jalen doesn't have that arm talent. And by the way, when some of you will go like this today, I know I can already hear it. Well, what, you think Kyler Murray has the arm talent? No, I wouldn't have paid that guy $46 million. I'd have moved his ass immediately. You're never going to win a championship with that guy. And already Arizona's got to move DeAndre Hopkins. No, thank you. I'm not moving DeAndre Hopkins at the expense of Kyler Murray. I'm not moving him. I'm trying to build a football team. Not trying to make just you a millionaire and win 10 games and go home, fill the seats up, and never be a contender. That's not what I'm doing here. Okay? Murray Sills love the Canes, but I'm a Gator guy. I love Spurrier. Hey, back in the day, those three teams, one of those three teams are going to win the national title. Okay? What does fair, what's the price? And will this get ugly? Will this get ugly? Negotiations between Clutch Sports, Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles. Will it get ugly? They're not going to pay him max dollar. By the way, I heard a guy today try to explain that, well, the salary cap will go up, so they'll back end it. My friends, the cap went up only $16 million this year. Don't get ahead of yourselves. You're making it sound like the cap is going up $50 million a year. That's not true. You see, that's the difference between big sales here and giving you fantasy talk. The cap is at 224.4 next year. It only went up $16 million. Don't don't pretend like the cap's going up $100 million so you can afford all these guys because that's not reality. Back-end what? That means you have to cut the player eventually because he's making too much or you have to cut your entire team once you get to that particular year, if he ever fulfills it. Hey, for the record, let me ask you this. For the record, how many $40 million deals have worked per year? Mahomes dealing what? Give me one. And remember something about Allen. His deal doesn't kick in until next year. They still won 14 games this year with the playoffs. What deal has worked? What deal has worked? At 40 million. Mahomes? Yes. Name me another one. So when you pay Hertz. 
you'll never be the same. We have made this statement to you numerous times. And dual threat needs more players around them. You need a great line. You need a receiver. And you have to have a great defense because you're going to have three and outs. That defense that you see with all those free agents, do you understand that there's only four players under contract coming back after the Super Bowl on the Eagles? Four out of the 11. Four players are under contract. Four. Four players. Okay? Holmes is the only deal that has worked. Mahomes, that's it. The rest of them? Okay, what's fair to keep the team intact? What's fair? Uh, Oscar says, Seals, you can't prove this. Everyone also said Hurts couldn't be a franchise quarterback. I'm not understanding where and what your context is. Um, Will Rofe and Will Shields? Yeah, that's a good one. Good one, Steven. Matthew Stafford? I think Stafford's more of a $38 million a year guy, but I think so. Stafford had a losing season, though, this year, and the Rams are in chaos. Some would say it was worth the Super Bowl, so I would probably go okay, but the Rams are going to have another losing season again. They're not going to be competitive. They don't have a first-round draft choice now for how many years? Three? Peter says 43 max. Um, I agree, Sills, but why do teams keep paying these quarterbacks if they don't live up to it? Cody. Because when you have a talent at that position, Cody, you want to hear what they're talking about now in San Francisco? Kyle Shanahan was asked the question. Montana even threw it back at Kyle Shanahan. So you're going to put Trey Lance and you're going to put Brock Purdy back in the starting lineup, giving them the guys. Those are going to be your two guys going to camp. When you're letting a guy walk out of the building who won 44 games for you and 17 losses, and you're just going to let him walk out. Montana's like, you should bring Garoppolo back. He's only $25 million. And you could keep your football team intact. The NFC, if the 49ers brought Garoppolo back, they would be back in the NFC title game. Trey Lance is not going to put the 49ers in the NFC title game, nor is Purdy. Garoppolo will because of the salary. And you can extend Nick Boza. And you're able to keep Debo. That's why I say to you, that's why when everyone goes, Seals would rather have Brock Purdy than Jalen Hurts. Financially, yes. Because once you start paying these guys... Don't listen to these Philadelphia guys telling you that the cap is going to go up that much to cover a $55 million salary. Why do you think Baltimore's hedging on paying Lamar right now? Because they're not sure they can build a team around and paying him $51 million. Tell you this, if he goes to Miami, pick one, Waddle or Tyree Kill. You're not keeping both of them. 
you're not keeping both. You'd probably keep Waddle because he's on a rookie deal. And you would trade Tyreek Hill because you have to. If you paid, see, this is, you know what's crazy? This is the suck-ass thing about the NFL. They don't want you to build a dynasty. The Eagles, watch this. Here's the similarities between the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Patriots. What do they all have in common? What do they all have in common with their Super Bowl runs, especially Brady early? What do they all have in common? What do they all have in common? They were all on rookie contracts, and they were undervalued in the draft. Wilson was a third, Brady a sixth, Jalen a second. They all have in common. They could build a roster around the player. They were given time and latitude to build the team around them. When you have a first-round quarterback that you draft, you got two years to get that thing going. Look at Burrow's situation. Dude, Burrow's team is going to be ripped apart. That guy's going to command $55 million annually. T. Higgins or Jamar Chase, pick one. One ain't on the team after that, or Mixon. Because you got you to gotta invest in the O-line. The Bengals next year are in deep shit. They're not going to be the same team. You got to pay that guy. QB on rookie deals? Yeah, Patriots had Brady on a sixth-round contract his first three years in the league. Russell Wilson was making less than Tavares Jackson, who was the free agent signed in Seattle. Do you know that? The backup quarterback made more money than Russell Wilson his first two years in the league, and he brought the team to the Super Bowl. And Jalen's had a $1.3 million deal. They all have that in common, all three franchises. And they all three got to the Super Bowl with a roster. Brady wasn't that hot. Remember, they were kicking field goals with Vinatieri. And quite frankly, Russell Wilson, that team was beast mode and the Legion of Boom. Just like this team. And Seth says it. He don't have to play great in the Super Bowl because he's got a great team around him. You start paying him, he ain't going to have a great team around him. It's not Jalen. It's the position. It's the position. It's the value of the position. This is going to be tricky. What do you pay the guy? And by the way, do not come in here today and say he's going to take some haircut for Philly. And, and he's not. Clutch Sports does not practice that behavior. They get max money. He might take a $3 million haircut but he ain't going to take some six or seven million dollar haircut so they can keep Hassan Reddick on the roster. That's for the Eagles to figure out, not him. Okay. They got a two year window, in my opinion. I think this could get ugly. Because here's the deal Howie wants, Howie, do you know what that does? That handcuffs Howie if you pay the quarterback. It handcuffs them. 
then you're going to have to rely on your draft. He ain't the best drafter. Shit, your last year draft had no impact on the team whatsoever in any area. Any area had no impact. Yet to be determined if Jordan Davis is worth the shit yet. I'll tell you what, he's a good player. He ain't the 13th pick right now. That guy's a second rounder. He's not a first round pick. He has no pass rush ability. He hasn't shown it yet. Do I think he will get better? I do. But as of today, I ain't seen it. I ain't seen it. (laughs) Jordan Davis is not behind pro bowlers. He's behind guys that were at an ice cream stand that they got halfway through the season. Because Fletcher was running out of gas. That's not true. Got two guys off the street. That's who he's behind. Two guys that are over 35 years of age. Who hadn't played. That's who he's behind. Okay? What would you do with Jalen? S. Blunt. Obviously. Here's how I look. Sayamalo has to go, which means I may have to draft a guard or an offensive lineman in the first round. Because my number one priority is making sure that line stays intact. Maybe a second rounder. Okay. I have to address all the areas that I'm going to lose players in. I'm going to have to draft a corner. I'm going to have to draft an old lineman. I'm going to have to draft a linebacker because I'm moving off of TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. And God forbid this guy, Nicobe Dean, shits the bed. He's got to play and start. I'm moving down from Fletcher Cox, which means this I'm not paying him 14.4. If he wants to come back at a different salary at $5 million, I'm open to that because I thought he played well when they got everybody in there. And I thought, no, I'm not, Neil, I'm not calling, I'm not calling Jordan Davis a bust. I'm not doing that yet. I am not doing that yet. I am not. That's not what I'm doing. He needs he needs a step up, though. He did not play to the 13th pick in the draft. And I haven't seen his ability show me, even when he was healthy, that he's the 13th pick. Okay, I have not. He he needs to do more for such a high draft choice. Do you draft a quarterback? Five-star I do, but I draft a quarterback in the rounds three and four that match Jalen's skill set and the offensive skill set, if that makes sense. Okay? Gardner Minshew is like the misfit toy in the toy box. He doesn't fit in that offense. He's the only guy that's played this year that doesn't fit in what they're doing. Gardner Minshew does not fit that offense. You need to get his ass out of there. Trade him before March twelfth, uh, and see if you can get something for him. I think you will. I think you will. I like the kid Malik Cunningham from Louisville. That's a good. That, that's 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 the kind of guy they need to put in the building. In my my opinion, somebody like that. Um, I would take a quarterback till day three 
yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you, you know what, Joshua, I'm not going to take a quarterback with my first three rounds. That is not happening. After four, after the fourth round, somewhere from like five, six, and seven, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Five, six, and seven to back up Hurts. I'm good with that. Remember something. I told you this before, and I'm going to continue to say this to you. Every single general manager in the National Football League should always draft a quarterback in a draft. You never know when you land on Brady. You just never know when you land on a quarterback like Purdy. You never know when you land on a quarterback like Cousins. Functional, can win games, can put up points, and can put up yards. Are they elite? No. But finding a quarterback is like finding a needle in a haystack. Some of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport weren't even drafted. Kurt Warner wasn't drafted. Some of these, Montana was a third rounder. Said he didn't possess arm strength. Couldn't throw the out. Um, can you imagine if Howie drafts a quarterback in the second round again? Cody, he's not the best drafter. Jalen Hurts may turn out to be his best draft choice. May just actually turn out to be his best draft choice. I want to see him play in a big game well. I do. I want to see him play well Sunday. He has it in the postseason. He doesn't have a really good track record in the postseason. Now, I think it's because he's hurt. I do. He had an exceptional season. Yes. Yes. And he had a rocky finish because of injuries and being a dual threat guy. All dual threat guys and bumpy. They get worn out. Don't you think 200 carries? And the way he carries the team was not going to wear him out? Okay. Um, how if his whole offense he picked besides, I don't know what that means. Um, he's got a winning record and two blowout wins. Batman, he played like shit in the NFC title game. He was okay in the giant game, and he played like shit against the Bucs. He's one and two. Easy. Tell the whole story. When they talk about Brady's career, they talk about the first game and the last game, not situations where you just want to pick out to make it sound better. You tell the guy's entire story, or you don't tell the story. Okay? He's averaging 133 yards and 40 carry, forty yards for the two games. He's averaging 173 yards in total offense. I don't know. That's not elite to me right now. And, I, and again, it's because he's injured. I disagree with Seth. I think he's going to have to play better. I think he's going to have to be 250 in passing. And I think he's going to have to be 75 in rushing. I think if Jalen Hurts puts 250 up, Tone, what do you think? If he puts 250 up in passing and 75 on the ground and three touchdowns, I think they win 31-17. I think, I think they win 31-17. If he has 133 yards passing and 40 yards rushing, that's going to be a fourth-quarter game, and I do not want Mahomes having the ball in the fourth quarter. I do not along with Andy Reid. I would feel uncomfortable with that. 
okay? If Howie could sign Jalen to a team-friendly, they're not going to sign to a team-friendly, though, my friend. No turnovers, too, Charlie. That's a good one. Charlie, Mahomes could have four touchdowns in this game, throw for 375 yards, but if he has two turnovers, that could be the difference completely in the game because I don't think the Chiefs have a running game. And if they can't establish play action against the Eagles, I don't know, man. I don't see it. See, personally, I told you this. I think this game's a blowout, and I haven't moved off that. I don't see Kansas City's I – just, I just don't see where Kansas City – Kansas City has the advantage of quarterback and coach and tight end, but a slim one at tight end. I'd say he throws for 245, runs for 65, and puts two TD passes and one rush. No turnovers. That wins the Super Bowl. What Tone just said, 245, he throws for 245 and 65 yards rushing and two touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, they win the Super Bowl. I think comfortably. I think comfortably. But he hasn't produced that yet. Okay? He hasn't produced that. Okay? He has not produced that yet. Seals, would you trade the 10th pick, and collect more picks. Um, If I'm going to, hey, S. Blunt, if I'm going to trade that thing down, that means I'm addressing Jalen Hurts' contract. And that means I need multiple positions because multiple guys will be knocked off my football team. Not in 2023. But most of those guys are going to see the writing on the wall and want to get into free agency. Because they're going to be unrestricted free agents. They don't have to sit around waiting for the team. Team makes them an offer. They don't have to sit around. Miles Sanders, he's not going to sit around with a $5 million offer on the table. He's going to go get seven and a half from Buffalo, Baltimore, or Kansas City. Kansas City needs a running back. They might get Miles Sanders. Hey, Dan, should the Eagles run the ball at Chris Jones Sunday? Absolutely. Where's ass out? Where's ass out? Um, Kelsey and Sayamalo have had a spectacular, spectacular postseason. Spectacular. Jason Kelsey and Sayamalo have played exceptional football. Exceptional. Okay. How he's trading to pick? East Candom. If you're addressing Jalen, you're going to need multiple high picks. In my opinion, to fill some of the needs to keep on those rookie contracts. See, this is where Howie's really great. And I agree with this part of it. Howie's really great at strategizing a roster. He is. Kudos. He could strategize a roster. He's not the best talent evaluator at all. I mean, every, every time he screws up, he goes into free agency and covers it. That's not bad. He addresses his mistakes. A.J. Brown. Okay, right? Cornerbacks. He's not, what, what cornerback has he ever drafted? That's worth a shit. I can't name one. <laughs> right? I mean, he went out in free agency and got it. Sills, Tone, question. If the Eagles' run game is completely dominating the Chiefs and Jalen throws for less than 200 yards, is that a bad game for him? No. No, because if they put 257 yards on the Eagles and they run them off the field 
any guy with any kind of brain cell will see that. Okay? You could have put the you could have put the San Francisco 49ers away. Tone, the reason why I'm saying he's struggling in the passing game is because of the overthrows to AJ and Devontae in the NFC title game. And you also saw it a little bit. And he commented to Peter King that the 40-yard throw down the middle of the field against the Giants almost threw his arm off. I think you're going to have to be more versatile to beat the Chiefs, though, because of Reed. Okay? I do. I think you're going to have to be more versatile if you're going to do this. Charlie, I agree. He's obviously hurt. You can't go like this, Charlie. Watch this. Jalen Hurts is going like this, like this, like this. Every week, man, you see decision-making. Even in game, like, watch this. Like, like I, I told you guys this before. I didn't think he played bad in the Chicago game. I thought the team played bad, but I didn't think he played bad in the Chicago game. I thought it was some really shitty play calling. He was dropping passes over the shoulder, hurt. All of a sudden, though, it went like this because he's injured. Trade down to 17 range to clean up uh, Robert Quinn. Hey, that fourth-round pick, it's a premium pick. Izzy, it's a premium pick, okay? But to me, you're going to get some compensation picks back on free agency, too, here, in my opinion. I think you are, okay? For the next three years, though, through the third round, Eagles have the most picks. Grant, that's a treasure chest of success ahead of you. And to me, with all the free agents that are out there, remember something. If you pay your quarterback, those are going to be essential to keeping your team intact because those positions are going to have to be on rookie deals. Look at what's up here. Just use Kansas City as a barometer. They lose Tyree Kill. Hey, Tone, everyone, do they get two rookie corners starting? Do the Chiefs have two rookie corners starting? So wait a minute here. You guys have one guy making $17 million that corner. And the way you're talking, you want to have another guy making $17 million that corner. You can't do that if a quarterback's making $50 million. Kansas City right there, three moves. They got two rookies starting at corner, and they lost Tyree Kill because they're paying their quarterback $45 million. That's what you'll be in for, two rookie corners. You're not going to keep two guys making $17 million a year. You're not. You're not. KC doesn't have Howie. Are you under, Charles, some sort of notion that you think that Kansas City over the last five years hasn't been the best team in the NFL? Five conference championship games, a Super Bowl, their third Super Bowl in four years? Sorry, dude. They've been the dominant franchise in the last five years. It's because of the quarterback and the coach. Averaged over 11 wins. Dude, three years ago, you won four games. You fired your coach, who won a Super Bowl, and you kicked out a guy you gave $38 million to. Let's all look in reality here and be kind of like staying. Let's stay in the lane here. Okay? Kansas City has dominated the NFL the last five years. No other franchise has dominated over the last five years like Kansas City has. Uh, Charles, I'm not talking future. I'm talking today. 
NFL, the future is today. Um, the issue is you talk down on the Eagles like they are our top team. How can that be, Chan? I picked you to get to the game. Again, a guy who just listens to what he wants to hear, saying it since May 10th of 2022. The Eagles are going to Glendale. And by the way, if you don't believe it, pull up to Jacob Media, May 10th, 2022. I say it at the top of the show. Okay? Top team? What are you talking about? All right, let's take a time out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I think the price tag should be for Hertz because I want to close that up. And I'm going to tell you why Hassan Reddick and why he, he said today that he doesn't get the respect that he deserves as a pass rusher. Hit the like button. Don't forget, Brad Johnson, Super Bowl winning quarterback with the Bucks. Great rivalries with the Eagles. That'll be at 4.30 Eastern. Then Merrill Reese at 5.30 Eastern time will join us. We'll talk to the legendary voice of the Eagles. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! I'm Lane Johnson. We'll go down as the modern day version of Upshaw and Shell. Um, I'm completely convinced of that. Lane's the best right tackle I've ever seen in my lifetime. I'm trying to think. Eric Williams, he's better than Eric Williams. And the best center, let's see. Boy, I think Ray Donaldson was a great player. I played against him and Bruce Matthews. I, I, I think Jason Kelsey's the best center I've ever seen. He's the best center I've ever seen. Yeah. What separates him from the other guys is his slip and scoops and how he can get up the field and how he can slip and scoop the guys. And how he gets out in, like, he's the first center I've ever seen on sweeps. Like, that's uncommon. Not even Mike Webster did that. Like, that has to go back to the days of Jim Ringo, who played in Philadelphia and also with the Packers of Lombardi. Jim Ringo did that shit. This guy is like a throwback. And if I was going to make a comparison to Jason Kelsey, to a great center in NFL history. It's Jim Ringo. I studied the history of the league. And to me, Jim Ringo was a guy who got out in the in the Lombardi power sweep. And you just don't see centers getting out in the power sweep. Maurice Pouncey didn't do that. Okay, he, he didn't. Marquise Pouncey did not get out in the sweeps like that. I, 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 Kelsey's better. And I think Pouncey's a heck of a player, too. Okay? I do. He's a special ball player. He is. Charlie, he's a special ball player. Jim Otto didn't get out in the sweeps, though. Otto was a great center, too. Obviously, um, um, Dwight Stevenson got out in the power sweeps. There's another great one right there, Greasy. Way to go. Um, Dwight, uh, Dwight Stevenson. Dwight Stevenson and Jason Kelsey. That's a, that's kind of the comparison. And Jim Ringo. Those three guys, yeah. I would make this statement to you. I think Kelsey's better than Mike Webster. And I thought Mike Webster was the greatest center of all time. I, I think Kelsey's better than Webster. Webster has the four Super Bowl championships in six years. But I I personally think I personally think that uh, Jason Kelsey, 
I think he's the best center of all time. Okay? I think he's that good. Okay? I do. Okay. Hey, Batman. Eagles may have the best O-line of all time. How about this? Batman, that's pretty tough to say. But how about this? I'm going to do this. Greatest offensive line in Super Bowl history. Now, these guys are still playing, so it's unfair. The Packers had Forrest Gregg, Ringo, Kramer. They had three Hall of Famers in the line. The Vikings had the center and Yeri, who went to those Super Bowls. The Steelers only had one Hall of Famer in the old line, and that was Webster. The Cowboys have had none. The Patriots have had none. Um, the Cowboys. I think they only had one. The Eagles had two Hall of Famers. Okay? Hey, they have two bona fide Hall of Famers. Shit, Jason Peters played the majority of his career in Philadelphia. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Okay? The Dolphin O-line is probably the best with Kuchenberg, Langer, and Little. It, it is the Dolphin O-line that won those three AFC championships and one team was undefeated, two Super Bowls in a row, was probably the best O-line in Super Bowl history. This Eagle O-line is right there, though, dude. I'll say it again. I think the Eagles have the best offensive line I've seen in 30 years. It's the best O-line. Okay, that Bronco O-line that won those back-to-back Super Bowls, well, Alex Gibb, that was pretty good too. Okay, that was a pretty good group of guys there. Okay? Our O-line is generationally great. Chris, it is. It is. It's it's the best I've seen. It's the best I've seen. I mean, and by, by the way, they're not just good. They're dominating. Are the Eagles the first team to have the best O-line and best D-line in the league in the same year? Not easy to accomplish. Um, MJ, do you think the Eagles really have the best O-line when they're 16th against the run? Now, the 80 sacks are insane great. Not good. Insane great. Insane great. Great pass defense. The pass rushing has been spectacular. Okay. D, I think he's better than Kevin Mawai. And the O-line coach is going to be a Hall of Fame coach. All right. Let me finish up and put a bow on the Jalen Hurts number. What I'd be willing to pay without devastating the team and killing the team. This is what I would do. Let me get my calculator here because these are big numbers. This is what I would do, and you tell me. By the way, I'm not giving him a five-year contract. But I think you'll like what I'm going to do.
I'm going to give him $135 million. $45 million per year, and I'm going to guarantee every cent of it. That'll be his extension. And get this, that means this. Next year, he's on a 1.3. Then the following year, he gets $135 million. And when you guarantee it, what happens when you guarantee it? You can renegotiate it. Because it's a bonus. It's theory... See, people look at the Cleveland deal and they don't get it. Deshaun Watson can renegotiate it because it's almost a bonus because it's all guaranteed. He won't want 250. Eagles aren't doing that. Rip the whole team apart. Not doing that. I mean, not doing that. That's not going to happen. You'll never win like that. This guy needs more than Patrick Mahomes. He's not as good as that guy. 45 times five. So you're telling me 45 million. No way that the Eagles aren't going there. That's why Lori, that's why he didn't want to get too crazy in the way he responded to that, because now it's coming down to money. I would give him a three-year contract and guarantee every cent of it. I'm not going to give a five-year contract to a dual threat quarterback. Who's been injured two years in a row. It's not going to work for me. We're going to have to have, this could get ugly. This is why I say this gets ugly. Hey, Yale, three years fully guaranteed at 45 per. He gets every cent of it. And 24, 25, 26, 27. He ain't 30 years old. And then he'll be able to renegotiate another $150 million deal potentially. Why get caught up in the market right now when you... See, to me, you don't want to be in a 10-year contract. The market's going to continue to raise. Shit, Patrick Mahomes is already a, he's already under market value. He's at 42. The guy in Arizona makes $4 million more than him already. But he's tied into that 10-year contract. I would go to Jalen and say, listen, and, and, and again, I think this is all going to be on how the approach is handled. I would do this, Jalen. We want you. We love you. You're our future. Here's what we're willing to do to keep a team intact around you so that we own. Look at the, I would explain this, like, just like this. Look, look at the NFC. Is there anybody outside of the 49ers that are going to threaten us with the current roster we have? No. Okay, here's what we'll do. We want to pay you, but we want to keep the team intact around you. So that if Jalen doesn't play well in the postseason, like Seth says, they can still win. Don't you want that luxury? I'll tell you this. If you're paying Jalen Hurts $45 million and he throws for 122 yards and 39 yards rushing, you would have got murdered in that NFC title game. If you didn't have Hassan Reddick or if you didn't have any of those other players on your team, you would have been murdered. You are given an opportunity right now for your quarterback not to play great and win games. What team in the league can do that? 
Okay? What team in the league can have their quarterback not play at his best in a divisional round and in an NFC championship game, still put 31 points on a team, and you didn't play well, and still win? What team in the league can do that? If Mahomes doesn't play well against Burrow, they lose. They lose. 49ers, Warren. Yeah, I'd like to have seen that game with a healthy Purdy. That's but the reason the Niners, the reason the Niners are in the position they're in is because get this, there's not a quarterback on that roster. That you you want to hear something crazy? Garoppolo makes what what does Garoppolo make? $15 million this year? Trey Lance is on a rookie deal, and Purdy's the last player taken. Combined with those three quarterbacks, I guarantee you they're not paying $25 million. So as much as that looks like chaos, financially, it's not. Financially, it's not killing that roster. It is, yeah, but financially, it's not. Theoretically, you could keep all three of those quarterbacks on your roster. $7 million Garoppolo, rookie contract, Trey Lance, and Purdy making nine hundred grand. You can have all three of them guys. Howie will come up with a way better deal, Dan. Really? What would that be? And it also protects you from what? The quarterback gets a catastrophic injury like Kyler Murray or like RG3 or these dual threat guys all do get hurt. They don't last long. Andrew Luck is a great example of that. Played seven years. Andrew Luck played seven years. Okay, seven years. I agree. Jimmy's gone. I agree. You don't pay a guy like Hurts over five years? Dude, I don't believe Baltimore is going to do that. Why would you? Three with an option? I don't know. 45 over five would be a bargain? Please. Eagles aren't going five years for that guy. Hey, um, Yale, what was the length of the contract they gave uh, Carson Wentz? I got to take a time out here in a second. Hang on here. Eagles signed Carson Wentz to a contract extension. He signed a four-year deal. Eagles aren't giving Jalen Hurts a five-year contract. That's not happening. It's not their, That's not how they act. No way. Four years. Maybe they would do that. $32 million? Philly, no way is he taking that, nor would I want him to. Okay? That's right. Niners still have to pay Bozum. Okay, that's right, Yale. I think they're gonna. They're not gonna sign a guy to a four-year contract like that. They're gonna go three years, and I would guarantee it all for him. I think he's des- yeah. You, I'd give it all to him. Forty-five million dollars guarantee every cent of it. And they still have to sign Fred Warner. 
bro. <laughs> 49ers, man. You can't you can't keep Fred Warner and Nick Boza if you got a $50 million quarterback on that team. All right, hit the like button. Now we're two. Don't forget Brad Johnson, great rivalries against the Eagles. Also, Super Bowl winning quarterback. What's it take to win? I want to get his thoughts on Jalen Hurts. Also, Patrick Mahomes. Merrill Reese will be in hour number three at 5.30 Eastern. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Post-game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post-game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
National Football Show, hour number two. Appreciate you guys coming aboard. Brad Johnson, Super Bowl winning quarterback, will join us at the bottom of the hour. Merrill Reese in hour number three at 530 Eastern. So we look forward to hearing from you. Um, also, greatest quarterbacks in Super Bowl play and my top five picks of players that potentially could win the most valuable player award. All right. Let's move off of uh, Jalen Hurts here. By the way, it's a great sign that the owner of the Eagles has said and finally addressed it. I've been waiting for someone to ask the question. Tim McManus reported on it. That's Sal Palantonio. It's funny that a national guy had to ask that question and not a local guy asked it. I don't get that. Why wouldn't a local guy ask the question, when's Jalen's contract extension going to be addressed? It took a national guy to do it. Just it, 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 it always – the Philadelphia media is so squeamish around the Eagles and making sure that they don't step on any eggs over there. I mean, I, I, I guess that's the environment that Philly likes. I'm talking the Eagles like because they keep their local guys on eggshells. That's a fact. The local guys do not ruffle the feathers of the Eagles. National guys ask the questions. Tells you a little bit about accessibility again, what we're talking about here. That's why you don't get the truth a lot. Like we found out more that Jalen Hurts was hurt more from Peter King and Sal Palantonio and other people, not from the local guys because they kind of keep you in the dark. Okay. I mean, they keep the local media at bay. They don't let anybody in the building. They don't let anybody around the team that's local, but they're concerned about the national guys and how they're perceived nationally more than they are locally. Because you know why? They know what you think of them. They don't have to feed you guys. They, they, they're they more concerned. The Eagle organization is more concerned about the national perception. That's why they deal more with the national people than the local people. Okay? So you keep asking the question, why do people seemingly always hate the Eagles? Well, the Eagles have a lot to do with that. Because they don't really give the local media guys a lot of accessibility. Like, nobody really knew. I mean, our own our own Derek Gunn was right from the beginning that he was hurt more. Eagles never led on to that with anybody locally. They finally told people nationally. And then it bled down locally. That's a fact. Okay? So, you know, and, and, and again, I'm here to point that out because you're not always going to get the truth from them. You're just not. And it took a national guy to ask the question that a local guy should have asked. When are you going to address the extension? Cincinnati's addressed it. Los Angeles has addressed it with Herbert. Um, even Miami, in so many ways, has addressed it with Tua. Why not you? It took a national guy, Palantonio, to do it. So, again, okay, that's, again, remember something, WIP is the flagship of the Eagles. They're not ruffling any feathers. Okay, they're not. Um, Warren says Eagles 35, Chiefs 28. A little high, but maybe. Okay. I like the Texas running back too. Robinson is his name. Um, I like him too, but to me personally, I think that that guy's going to be probably gone at the bottom half of 
the first round, okay? So, <clears throat> I would say this to you now. Let's move on from, from, from Jalen Hurts and go over to Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick is um, saying that he doesn't get the respect around the league that other players do. Why do you think that is? Being on his third team in three years probably plays into it too. Okay. Why do you think he doesn't get the respect? I know. I think it's simple. Why don't you think Hassan Reddick gets the respect that he thinks he deserves? <clears throat> He's a hybrid. Size. Never thought of that. Okay. He's from Temple. <laughs> Funny. Because he's from Camden? Hassan did ball out. I was wrong. It's a Philly thing? Okay, here's why. He's not a very good tackler, and he can't cover. He's one-dimensional, and that's what he is. Now, if we're talking pure pass rusher, Okay, how many just pure pass rushers are in the NFL that don't do anything else? They're situational players. That's why he doesn't get the respect. Because he's traditionally not really an every-down player. He's not a three-down guy. If I were Kansas City, I'd run right at his ass. He's 6'1", 235. Run at him. I'd run right at him. He can't hold up against Orlando Brown. Absolutely not, and teams haven't done that. I would pound that guy into the turf. He's smaller than fullbacks. And he can't cover, and he's not a very good tackler. What's he got, 29 tackles this year? He's a pure pass rusher. That's why people look at him the way they do, especially people in the league. He doesn't get respect for being a complete defensive player because he's not. He's not a complete player. He is a fabulous pass rusher. Fabulous. Okay. He's not a tackler, and you can run at him. 6'1", 235. Doesn't take an Einstein to figure it out. Run at his ass. I don't know why more teams don't. He's a swimp. He's a little dude. Shit, I tell you to run at Nick Boza. They ran at Nick Boza. I say run at Parsons. I'm surely going to run at this guy. He's undersized. He's an undersized defensive pass rusher. 6'1", 235. Okay? And, 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 and Tone goes, being named second team, all pro sounds like respect to me. Yeah, but I don't, I, 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 yeah. Okay. But again, once they got to two defensive tackles, this is when his game picked up, he didn't have to play to run. He doesn't play. He, he can't cover. Okay? I'd run at his ass. He's a little dude. A six foot 235 guy had two less tackles than Bozum. More passes defended. Can't, can't tackle. Maybe because he's been on three teams. I think that's it right there, D. But again, that's not his issue. 
That's Arizona and Carolina's failure. That's that narrative has changed now because the question used to be, why is he on three different teams in three years? If he's so effective as a pass rusher, now we know why the other teams couldn't figure out the Rubik's cube, as I call him 49. I mean, the Eagles don't ask him to do anything any longer. They just ask him to rush the passer. That's it. They don't ask him to do anything else. That guy's not covering Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey would eat that guy's lunch. In pass coverage, that's a you're praying for that if you're Andy Reid. You're praying for that. Who's covering Travis Kelsey? Hassan Reddick. Give me that all night long. He'll have 200 yards receiving if that's the case. Okay? Phil Sheet, he's missing the point. I said he's a pass rusher. I'm not saying he's anything else. I'm telling you why he doesn't get respect around the league. Because he's not a three-down guy. That's why he doesn't get the respect that he knows that he, he had a great year pass rushing. Okay? Didn't have a great year tackling anybody. And like I said, if I'm Kansas City, man, but they don't have anybody to run the ball at him. Kansas City is a finesse team. So this plays right into hot. See, a game like, and a, and a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes plays, I think, right into, I think you guys are missing my point again. A team like Kansas City plays into the hands of Hassan Reddick because Kansas City don't run the ball. I say run at him with what? What's Kansas City going to run the ball at? With what? They don't have any high-powered running backs. To me, hey, here, here, here's the list of guys that I think could win the MVP. Obviously, the two quarterbacks, Mahomes and Hurts. After that, I got Travis Kelsey, Hassan Reddick, and A.J. Brown. Those are my five dudes that I think that the MVP is going to come off of these five guys. Hurts, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Hassan Reddick, A.J. Brown. One of those guys are going to win it. I would not be shocked if Reddick has three sacks. I don't think Orlando Brown is as good as he thinks he is. And he's a free agent. If I'm Kansas City, I might want to go in the market and look for somebody else because I don't think he's that good. Okay? I don't think I don't think he's that good. Um, this plays right into Hassan Reddick. Tank Sweat's a better player than Hassan Reddick. He's a three-down guy. Double-digit sacks, can tackle, sets the edge. He's a better player. Okay. Reddick's a better pass rusher. That's the facts. Hassan Reddick is not better than Josh Sweat as a three-down lineman. I didn't think Josh Sweat was a three-down lineman. But he proved me wrong this year. He is. And, and yeah, right. He's a tr traditional DE. Okay, Tank. He, he is, Tank. He's, 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 he's a better player. He sets the edge, plays the run well, can tackle, puts pressure on the quarterback, double-digit sacks. He's more productive um, as a three-down lineman than Hassan Reddick is. Okay? Hassan is a fabulous pass rusher. So at 6'5", 265, and he's built like your prototypical edge defensive end. Right. 
And I think he's a fabulous ball player. I think he's a really good. I didn't, and, and I'll say it again, I did not believe he was a three-down guy at the beginning of the year. He's played himself into that. He has. He's a good ball player. Um, what's the kid? What's the kid? Um, a tone. What's the guy in Carolina they tried trading for? What's the kid's name? Rams um, offered two first round draft choices for him. I believe he's a Florida uh, Brian Burns. I believe he's a Florida State guy too. Um, he's kind of like that player. I think Brian Burns is a heck of a ball player, and I would have loved him on the Eagles. But they wanted two first-rounders, and the Eagles were not giving up two first-rounders. He's an all-pro player, though. Brian Burns is an all-pro player. And the Eagles were – you know what's crazy? The two dudes that the Eagles were looking at, Brian Burns and Christian McCaffrey, how he would have made the right selections because Brian Burns made the all-pro team. Like, he, he's a Pro Bowl guy. He's a good football player, man. He is. Brian Burns is a 6'5", 250, and he's a Florida State guy. He's a really – whatever it is, man, I'll tell you what. The Canes have been producing defensive ends, the kid in Buffalo and the kid in Miami, and Florida State has been producing defensive ends at a good clip. These guys have been productive. And Sweat, he's only 24 – yeah, I mean, dude, really a good, really, really a good ball player. Josh Sweat, of all the players on defense – I would have to say to me, of all the players on defense that have really picked their ball games up, I would say that Josh Sweat has definitely picked his game up. Oh, and of course, he's a, I believe he's a Florida State guy. So with that being said, let me go to a Florida State guy, Brad, Brad Johnson, Super Bowl winning quarterback, Kara. So I go from one Florida State guy to another Florida State guy. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing great, Dan. Appreciate you having me on the show, buddy. I came on a little early today, so sorry about that. It's all good, man. We're good, man. I'd lay. Hey, starting quarterbacks are always early. Defensive linemen like me are always late. <laughs> Brad, what's it? What's this week like when you get ready for a week like this? When you're the starting quarterback, look, you know, defensive linemen and linebackers, we all have our own routines, but a quarterback. There's more. There's. I think there's more of an approach to detail for you guys with a game like this. Walk us through what it's like this week. Uh, there's a lot going on. Obviously, Super Bowl week. When we played in it, there was only one week between the championship game and the Super Bowl. They have two weeks. So for us, it was a lot. I mean, with, with, there's so much going on besides the game. Honestly, uh, tickets to the game, uh, hotels, friends, text. Uh, the interview process is taking place every day. But at some point, it's going to be a regular work day. You're going to have your same amount of practice time. You're going to have your same amount of film time. But it may be chopped up during the day. And so you may have a walkthrough. Then there may be a, a media request. And it's, it's a group thing. And then you may have your practice. And then you're not able to watch the film until like 7 o'clock at night. It just, it's, all, it's all kind of confusing. And I, I think at some point, at some point, you get over the excitement of it, and you just get tired of watching the TV of all the of all the things that are going on around you, besides what's going on in the game as a player. And I remember for me, I was just like, I am so tired of the media. I'm so tired of practice. We've been going at it for seven months. I just want to play the game. Just let me play the game. 
And I remember in my hotel room, I just like, I just started watching movies, you know, because <laughs> you're really kind of confined where, you know, your family's not going to really, you don't get to see them. You don't get to see anything that's really going on besides what's happening. So you have to eliminate all the distractions and just get yourself in a state of mind that it's going to be another game when the game takes place. And it's just, it's hard to get over that, but it is just another game until it's over and the confetti falls. Brad, do you think not having that extra week kept you more in a routine because the Eagles have two weeks? Did you like the fact that, hey, it was almost as scheduled and it was almost on the routine? Would you rather play the way you guys did or would you would, would you think it'd be more distraction if you had the two weeks? Well, we won, so I'm going to say I like the one week, okay? <laughs> the, the hardest part at that point, honestly, we didn't have text was not going at that time, okay? Right. And so really all had your, your phone and your answer machine. So that was what you're dealing with there. But the hardest part for us was getting the hotels and getting the plane flights and getting the and getting the tickets for the game. That was, But then I had to put that on my wife and just let her go. Everybody's on your own and you all figure it out. So for me, I did like the regular work week schedule of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, walk through Saturday and then play. So that was good. I think with two weeks time, you can get caught up into, um, you can start thinking about the game too much, or you can find yourself trying to sneak out of the hotel and get in some trouble too. So a lot of those things take place and, and, uh, but whoever can dial in on game day, that's the most important thing. What was tougher? The NFC championship game against the Eagles or the Super Bowl? Honestly, I look at, uh, Philadelphia, when we played them, they were our nemesis. They'd beaten us two or three times in a row. They'd beaten us early in the year. That year we won the Super Bowl, October 20th. Uh, beat us like a drum. I cracked my ribs. We were playing the last game in the vet in the cold. And so to beat them, our nemesis, uh, that was just as much celebrated to us as the actual Super Bowl. So that was a big day for us. But obviously winning the Super Bowl, it's a different deal. The ring size is different. And, uh, and you really don't understand it until you actually go through it and actually win it. And for me, when we, when we won it, I ended up doing a, you know, the confetti falls on your face and doing a, a we're going to Disney with home. My, my son, Max is two years old and my wife, Nikki, she's seven and a half months pregnant with our other son, Jake. And, and, you know, we celebrated. And I remember the first time that was ever done. That was Phil Sims in 1987. That was the very first time it was done. That was a dream come true for me. But I remember going back to Tampa. After we won it, we had the we had the uh, had the celebration. I actually got a little picture for you. You don't know if people can see it on the on the thing. Okay, so that was actually me and John Lynch. You can see people hanging off the the bridges and the walls and and, and everything, just people going crazy. But you realize how much it meant to the people of your city, to your organization, everybody involved. You can become very very selfish as a player, but then you realize all the all your your parents, your friends, your school teachers, your coaches. And then especially those people in our Buck organization, what it meant to those people. So it's pretty, pretty awesome time, and you want to win it. I won't lie to you, dude. I cried as a Buck who went through some shitty years. Yeah. I mean, to see you guys put that Lombardi trophy up, I remember my wife and I sitting there going, I went just like this. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions. And you guys had to go through Philly to do it. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, oh, man, I just yeah. – it was it was like really remarkable. I remember talking to Leroy Selman about it, and he's like, you know, I got to the NFC Championship game. They got beat by the Rams like 9-6 or something. 
And I remember just thinking to myself, too, back with Ray Perkins, I'm like, man, do you think we'll ever get right. to that? And so to see what you guys did, you carried all the legacy of the franchise across the finish line that day. Yeah, Dan, it was so cool because on that day we had the parade. It was a Tuesday after the Super Bowl, and we are all in, like, convertibles. And, you know, I'm telling you, dude, <laughs> it was nuts, okay? It was nuts. But at some point, John Lynch, he got out of the, out of the convertible. He was, he was with me. And Warren Sapp, he was running around shaking hands and high-fiving everybody. But about 20 yards in front of me, John Lynch and Warren Sapp, they saw each other and they hugged. I mean, it was as, as big of a hug as you could ever imagine. And they were there when the, the Bucks were the Yucks. And they were the beginning of what Tampa was where, when Tony Dungy first came in there and like of really trying to turn that organization around to uh, just trying to be respectable, to trying to win a game not alone win a division, an NFC championship and a Super Bowl and bring back the Lombardi back. So that's how powerful those moments are. And it will change your, not it'll change your life, but it'll be something that you think about uh, almost on a daily basis at some point. Brad, when you beat the Eagles, how do you fight that where those guys were your nemesis? Those guys you had to, you know, every team I think has a team like that where they got to get over the hump and they've got to beat that team. If they're going, first you got to want to win your division. Then you beat a, a rival. How did you not like exhale and know that there was another job to do when it came? Because we've seen it numerous times. Teams, they get over the hump and they beat that team. And then right. there's a letdown the next game. We see it in college and in pros all the time. What kept you guys focused going into that Raiders Super Bowl in San Diego? Well, I think a couple things. Well, obviously, I think just the one week in between. Yeah. There, there was no time to breathe, no time to rest. It was really just on to a regular work week. And honestly, John Gruden, I mean, he came in there. We brought in 15 to 18 free agents that year. And there was no every, – every day you were challenged. He challenged the defense. He brought in a bunch of free agents on offense. We all came together, and we all played for each other. And, you know, in the end, you <laughs> – it's a, there's a big distinction. Either the confetti is going to fall on your face or it's not. Until the, until the job is done, it has to be done. And we knew there's a great challenge. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm getting ready to face, uh, for me, it was Rich Gannon, who I'd been with in Minnesota, so much respect for. He was the MVP of the league. Uh, Jerry Rice, who I'd watch on TV for all those years when the Super Bowl was San Fran and Bill Romanowski, and, like, the list goes on. It was just a, on both sides, there were great, great coaches and great, great players. And later, you figure out how some of the great coaches that we had, the Mike Tomlin, who went on to be a head coach and win Super Bowls, and Rod Marinelli and Rich Versace and 
I mean, the list goes on. I can list everybody. Uh, Raheem Morris went on. And so many coaches went on to become head coaches and coordinators. But in the and we had we've had uh, three guys make it to the Hall of Fame, and hopefully, you know, pretty soon, Rondé Barber, and then maybe Simeon Rice too. So, but it's just a great collective of great guys. But you got to finish the goal, and you and you got to you got to win it. That, that's that's all I can say at the end of the day. You got to win it. Let let let's get your take on the two quarterbacks that are in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Um, Jalen Hurts, your your take on him on all the things that he's had to go through. I mean, Brad, you've had to go through in your career numerous stops, and here's a guy early that had to deal with that, was taking his job away on national television in the national title game, had to transfer, was drafted in the second round. You know, his journey is kind of remarkable if you think about it, where he is today. Just your take on him and his growth as a Super Bowl starting quarterback. I work with a lot of quarterbacks, little young quarterbacks. And the first thing I ask the dad, the kid, are you ready to embrace what you're getting ready to go through? That journey of adversity, you better learn how to embrace adversity as a kid, whether it's not, not, whether it's not being good enough or whether or not starting like Tom Brady in ninth grade and, and all those kind of stories. And to watch Jalen Hurts, we feel like we've been watching him for a decade already because of what he did at Alabama, then going to Oklahoma and being up for the Heisman and then getting drafted and sitting on the bench and then kind of overcoming that and then, and then leading his team to the Super Bowl. So it's incredible what he's done and early in his career. He has so much respect with, uh, seems like within his organization, but you see it from still at Alabama, he has that respect at Oklahoma, he has that respect and he had to earn it his way in Philadelphia. That's probably one of the toughest cities in America <laughs> in the NFL to play for as far as their fan base. But when you earn their respect, they'll give you the love and that's what he's done. So you think that Jalen Hurts and, – and, and, and Brad, tell me, because I always thought that this was innate. You're either a leader or you're not a leader. I think that's an innate quality that a guy and you guys and 32 guys have in the league that are the starting quarterbacks. I don't know if you could develop that. Can you? Or does that thing, Brad, have to be something that you develop as a young player? And like you said, his father – helping him begin the steps on developing that. His dad was a coach, obviously. So he knew what the sacrifices were going to be. Is that something that you can develop as you get older? Or do you think that's an innate quality that you, it's, you either have it or you don't? It's, uh, it's all the above. Leadership is defined a lot of different ways. You have quiet leaders. You have vocal leaders. At the end of the day, a leader is one that can get his job done and then get others to play for him. And I think Jalen's done that. But at some point in your career – you have to go through the ring of fire. And what is that ring? Is it, is it, is it, was it not being drafted? Was it overcoming adversity? Was it overcoming an injury? Was it overcoming being benched? Was it come overcoming a, a loss? Or, or what, what is your ring of fire that makes you who you are? And, you know, for the thing about these opportunities here to play in the Super Bowl, you're not, <laughs> it's so hard to get there. You better be good. You better be on a great team. You better have a great defense, great offense. And then you better have a little luck along your way. And I think Jalen's had that. He's earned the right to get back to this. But now you're at the pinnacle, and you got to take that last step to get on top of Mount Everest, and maybe your your toughest step to take. Obviously, he's playing against Mahomes, who will eventually be one of the <laughs> one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he's kind of earning that right already, heading to his third Super Bowl already. But it's uh, it's hard to get, but it's fun to watch people have greatness, and and it's fun to watch people. Uh, shine their light on others. And you see a young kid, Jalen Hurts is 25, I think, already had the respect within his organization uh, from the ownership to the coaches and the players around him to say, you know what, he's the guy that we want to play for. Um, it's pretty neat to see. 
over to Mahomes here now. Here, tell me if you agree or disagree with this, Brad. I to me, Mahomes looks like he has got all this God gift and God left his hand on his shoulder a little longer than everyone else because he's got this uh, f- phenomenal ability to make plays and to do things that we haven't seen a quarterback do. But I think it, it's a perfect combination to have a guy like like Andy Reid because he puts he doesn't put him in a sandbox, Brad, but there are some guardrails for him. And could this possibly be crazy to say? Not having a guy like Tyree Kill on the team actually made him a better quarterback this year. Uh man, it's it's it, that's a it's a open-ended question a little bit. I, but to be honest with you, he's proven that he can play within the years to to go to ASC championship five years in a row to head into his third Super Bowl to recover from a Super Bowl loss as bad as it was in Tampa, and to recover like that is it's pretty cool. But Andy Reid, I think where you get drafted has a lot to do with your career, okay? You could have a coach who gets fired. You could play under a bunch of different coordinators, a bunch of different systems. And, like, I mean, even like a Baker Mayfield has been in, like, six different systems already. It's not even his fault. It's just unfortunate the organization that you're going to. A guy like Mahomes, you know what? He's fortunate. He had a guy named Alex Smith, a quarterback in front of him, learn how to kind of be a pro, how to watch film, how to work, how to lead and just be consistent. And I think Mahomes would tell you the same thing. But with Andy Reid, he ran with a wild horse in Green Bay with Brett Favre. <laughs> you, sometimes you got to let that horse run. And, and, and Favre, he could, you know, he could run fast, but he could run wild. You, you, sometimes he threw some interceptions. But they lived through the hard times. And I think Andy Reid having to live through those with, with a guy like with Brett and then kind of have the same skill set with Mahomes, who could unendless as far as the playmaking ability. And then let him make plays and let him make mistakes, but not, not not put the harness on him either, put the brakes on him. So it that's that's a unique thing, some of the plays that they make, and then they find the greatness. I mean, even you see Travis Kelsey, they throw it like a, a hook and ladder last week in the not the last play of the game, like in the first quarter. I mean, so they do a lot of these things probably in walkthroughs in practice, and it's fun to see fun to see it come in life in games. You know, I asked Jimmy Johnson the question on Mahomes, he goes, he's spectacular, but he said something to me that was kind of interesting. He goes, I'm going to make a comparison. Mahomes is kind of like Barry Sanders, and Tom Brady is kind of like Emmett Smith. And I go, Coach, what do you mean by that? He goes, Emmett's not going to have minus plays or turnovers. You're going to have to learn to live with some of the mistakes that Mahomes makes because kind of what you said with Favre, I mean, these guys are going to challenge and these guys are going to throw high percentage plays and high percentage turnover plays to potentially have a turnover. Whereas Brady, and I would think a little bit in how you played your game, Brad, it was all about not having to turnover more so than throwing four touchdowns because Jimmy was like, I'd rather have a quarterback throw one touchdown, no turnovers than have four touchdowns and three turnovers. Uh, we're not, we're not going anywhere with that. Do you think that's fair and how some people, Look at Mahomes like, I mean, look, it's great. He's phenomenal. However, right. he's going to be gauged on how he wins in the postseason. His legacy is going to be in the postseason. And they haven't been spectacular games, Brad. Right, right. There's a lot of different ways to win a game. So I think a lot of people do get caught up in just playmaking ability, how fast a guy can run, how far can he throw it, and they get enamored by all that. But at the end of the day, it's about it's it is about making plays in the pocket. It's about making great. It's about being a great decision maker. It's about game management also. 
uh, from either your second, third down, and sometimes you do have to punt. But then, but that game management at the end of the day, it comes down to making plays without the crucial turnovers. And you almost saw it last week with Mahomes. They were actually running a little, uh, little bubble screen. He catches it and he kind of threw it and the ball slipped out of his hands and became a fumble. But it seems like guys like him, you got to let that horse run as fast as he can. And, and cause he can make so many plays. He keeps you in the game. And obviously, you know, it, with a guy like that, also your free agents to come in is a big deal too. They can, they, they kind of the way you, you, uh, you, you make your team, where's the money at on the, on the side? Is it on the offensive side or the defensive side? But, but a guy like Mahomes, he does not turn the ball over, to be honest with you, as many playmaking abilities that he does have. Brad, did you have a rivalry with McNabb? You know what? I, I, I played against um, Philadelphia and McNabb when I was in Washington, and then they had the same thing in um, – in Tampa. So we played against each other probably eight or nine times. You knew it was always going to be an ugly game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, honestly, it was just, it was, Philadelphia's defense was, it was phenomenal. And with, with the players that they had, the defense that they had, the way they schemed it up, but you just had to find a way to win. So I don't know if it's a rivalry, like a hatred kind of thing, or we played long enough, but there were some great games that we played against each other. And obviously the NFC championship game kind of propelled us. Well, the majority of my, my uh, viewers are um, are in Philly. So, what was that like going into the vet um, and yeah. playing at the vet against that? Because it, there, there were guys in Dallas and in New York that wouldn't want their families to go into the place. They said because that they, they, they didn't really, you know, they didn't really trust the fan base that was there. What was right. it like playing in front of those guys? Right. Well, you you knew in the starting lineups were called Brian Dawkins. He's coming out there in a <laughs> in a four four in a four-point stance bear crawl. And, you know, Don McNabb, he's coming out there holding out number five, and the smoke was going to be blowing, you know. And you always heard those things about, you know, throwing snowballs at Santa Claus and you know, a, jail, a jail underneath the, the stadium. And all those things were real. I mean, it's true. Those are legendary stories, you know. But I'd had some tough – back in the vet, there was a, the, the turf was terrible. The stadium terrible. was terrible. Like, there was nothing good about going to Philadelphia. Like, really. I mean, the, the Phillies – the cheesesteak. You know what I mean? That, that's all that's good about it. But, I mean, I'm dead serious. I mean, you're in for a fist fight. You know what I mean? But, but when you came out of there, and if you could get a win, it was, it, was, it was an incredible feeling. And for us to play the last game in the vet, to have won the game, they would not let us celebrate on the field. We had to go back into the stadium. Into the what do you mean room. they didn't let you celebrate? Think about it. We were the only team that never got to celebrate on the middle. Of so the, wait, a the minute, wait a minute, the, wait a minute. Wait, was this an Eagles thing or an NFL an thing? thing? They wouldn't let you celebrate on the vet field? They did the last game of the vet. They put us back into the locker room. I was glad at that time because it was warm. But, no, they didn't want the last, the last memory of the Bucks <laughs> dancing on their field. So there you I go. I never knew that. So yeah. you couldn't celebrate the NFC championship game. Yep, yep. On the field at the vet because the Eagles didn't want you to do that. They made you go. It's you got to be the only team that I've seen in the last thirty years where you didn't celebrate on the field. That was it. Philly did not want. They didn't want that dance on their field. So we uh, we we all shook hands. We hugged and then went back inside to have a celebration in the uh, in the locker room. And then the next year we actually played our, our first Monday night game at the Link and uh, won that game seventeen nothing. So it was kind of we we shut down the vet, opened up the Link and. And I got I was the first quarterback. They, there's a little wall back there, okay? So the, <laughs> there's a little wall when you walk in the locker room. All the quarterbacks that have, that have won opposing opponents, I was the first quarterback that got to sign 
sign his autograph on the on the link. That's incredible. All right, finally here. How do you see this game playing out on Sunday? Wow, uh, two two great game, two great quarterbacks, two great teams, two number one seeds, which very rarely do you get. Uh, it's, it'll be it'll be curious for Kansas City on the defensive side with Spagnolia because he loves the blitz, he loves the skies. Can they start the can they stop the RPO game with Jalen Hurts? Whether it's whether it's run to run, run to pass, whatever it may be. Sometimes they have three options. The part on Philadelphia will be how many guys do they have to rush? Can they play with two safeties? And can they stop uh, Travis Kelsey? Uh, can they get and they usually they get home with the four guys rushing. So that will be that will be the deciding factor. You're going to see one team that's going to disguise and blitz in Kansas City. Another one that's going to be kind of I would think sit back in Philadelphia's defense. So uh, I'm going to be sitting. I'll be back in my house and eating, having popcorn and a few diet drinks. There, uh, it's going to be a great game. Uh, FSU looks like they're on their way back. Uh, we're we're kind of like. We're kind of like trying to get back there, Brad. We're we're working on it, but I like what Coach Norvell's doing, man. He looks like yeah. he's um he's got that program back in back in the right direction again, dude. You're great. I thank you so much, man. And again, I've always told you this: bringing that Super Bowl home to the Bucks, man, was a big deal for yeah. a lot of people, man. And thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Have a great Super Bowl week. Awesome, Dan. I appreciate your friendship, buddy. Thank you, man. You got it, man. That is the great Brad Johnson. We appreciate it. Guys, do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Let the Bucks celebrate the NFC Championship, the last game at the vet on the field. That is, I've never heard that story. They're the only team, I looked it up just now, that didn't celebrate on the field a conference championship game. They're the only team. The Eagles and the organization would not allow the Bucks to celebrate. <laughs> oh. Only in Philly, dude. Only in Philly. I think that's iconic. Can you imagine the owner of the Eagles coming down going like this? No, 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 not here. I don't give a shit what it is. They're not celebrating on the vet closing the vet. They're not doing it. Dude, your owner defended the vet. That's a story I've never heard. I've never heard that. Can you imagine? So the owner goes like this. No, no, no. That ain't working here, guy. <laughs> we got Merrill Reese also, too, in hour number three at 430 East or 530 Eastern. That's spectacular. With three years, 140, help keep the team together. Thought Brad was great, too. Dude, you guys are dope. That's one of the most iconic things I've ever seen. Okay, it really is. Dude, you're not paying them 46 million bucks. They're not. Not paying them 46. Well, it's 1 million more than what I said, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Every time I think you don't understand you have the perfect guest you know what this is, <laughs> Smoke, thank you. <laughs> smoke, I don't, hey, Smoke, just like you being here, I don't put yes people on. I do not want yes people watching my show. How many times do I tell you guys that? You guys are the perfect audience. I would never want anybody else. Are you kidding me? You want to do sports talk radio that blows? Try doing it on the West Coast. Oh, that's a little too harsh. Why are you so mean? Don't you know there's a gas tax? No. Then <laughs> I don't care. Dude, it's snowflake heaven out here. Okay, honestly, man. 
uh, Dan, you know, you're being a little too, oh my God, you guys would eat up every single sports talk radio host on the West Coast. You would annihilate them. Okay, you know how you guys ate up Josh Innes? You would eat these guys up too. You would eat these guys, you would eat them, spit them out. You, you, you better have some tough backbone, bro. Talk to you, Bose. <laughs> I mean it. You guys, man, I mean, Joe, I'm I'm thinking of it. Hey, hey, Joe, it'd have to be the Paisan section, though, because that's just what Bill Sills is. Hey, wait a minute. Joe, it'd have to be a Paisan section slash the brothers. That's where Big Sills would roll. That's my kind of neighborhood. Okay, that's my kind of deal. Okay. This is therapy for you, Sills. Thank you, Yale. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Dude, that is radical, man. You didn't allow the Buccaneers to celebrate at the vet. More respect. More, more respect. More respect than ever before. Holy cow. Holy cow, that is great. Man. <laughs> mm. South Philly, baby. <laughs> okay. Are you sure you aren't from Philly? You fit right in. Charlie, thank you, brother. That's a compliment. I, I That's a compliment. Northeast Philly? Isn't that more Jersey, like Penn Salkin and shit like that? Like Cherry Hill? Charlie, are you talking like Cherry Hill and Pensalkin? Pensalkin's like South Jersey. Up in that neck of the woods, right? Is that what you're talking? Like that kind of stuff? Right? Cherry Hill and my boy Stubbs is from Cherry Hill. And my boy uh, Greg Mark is from Pensalkin. That's South Jersey. Dude, I got a ton of guys. I mean, you don't know how many times I've been to Philly, man. I've been to Philly a boatload of times. I, you know, you know, you know, you know the Marriott that's across the street from the uh, convention center. You guys know that Marriott? I love that place because it's connected to the convention center, so I kind of stay there. I like that place. They got a bunch of great restaurants around that joint too, so I hang out around that. When I come to Philly, I hang out around in that neck of the woods. My my aunt my aunt is my aunt and I had had a couple drinks down in that um, hotel a bunch of times. Northeast Philly is Pensacola. Okay. South Jersey's Atlantic City. How you doing? Thank you, Batman. I could see Sills South and North Philly getting a cheesesteak. Of course, man. You kidding me? Great food in Philly. Dude, I told you what I used to do when I was a little kid, man. I'd go down to the Jersey Shore, Nickel Beer Night, Wildwood, and I'd listen to Angelo and Tony Bruno and Al Morgani. When they first started that morning show, I forget the chick's name that did it too, that w was with them. There was a girl that was with them. I forget her name. And um, uh, I forget his name. I forget her name. She was, she would, uh, all, all, all four of them, I think it was four, was Morgani, Bruno, and um, Angelo, who started that thing. I thought they did. And dude, I, hey, I've been to a wing bowl. Did you guys have it at the Spectrum? Why do I why do I see Wing Bowl and Spectrum? Right? Wing Bowl and Spectrum. 
Okay, wing, bowl, and spectrum. Does that make sense? Okay, right? For some reason, man, I remember going to a wing bowl and it was at the spectrum. And you got, I think there's like 30, 25,000 that used to come down to that thing. That thing was great, man. It was a, the wing bowl. The Philly sports fans started that thing. Tony Bruno has told me numerous stories about it, how you guys all started that shit down there. They don't do that stuff anymore because you know, you know why they don't do that anymore? Because they're not pe- they're not they're not men of the people anymore. That's when radio was great. Okay. That was that, that was that was when radio was great when all the people would come down and they'd have all them wings down there. That was great times, man. That's it. Hughes. Hughes is the girl. That's right. Roast pork broccoli. <laughs> Summers point Tony Martz. And yeah, man. Wing Bowl was amazing. We started that because we could never get to the Super Bowl. That's right, Brian. Dude, now look at you guys. Second Super Bowl in five years. Greatest era of Eagle football in in, in, in history. In history. See what Jeff Stoutland said when he was talking to the media last night? Malata's starting to look unreal. There was only one other team that showed interest in Jordan Malata. Of course, it was the Steelers. Howie didn't want to use a premium pick. Why would he? He had never played football. Howie Roseman did the same thing that the Cowboys did with Larry Allen. Do you guys know that potentially the greatest offensive lineman in the history of the NFL, Larry Allen, was a 12th round draft choice? They didn't know he was going to be who he was. He was a 12th round draft choice. Larry Allen, who I think is better than Trent Williams. Larry Allen was a 12th round pick. Jordan Mulata's last round pick, seventh. And Jeff Stoutland goes, his, he's just getting started. He's, he's getting better and better and better and better every time he puts a helmet on. He goes, his story is one of the greatest stories of all time. I've never seen anything. This guy's never played ball. Dude, there's only one other story that I would compare to this, and that would be Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates never played football. I think he went to Cleveland State as a basketball dude, and Marty Schottenheimer found him, and Schottenheimer asked him, hey, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to Europe for a tryout. He goes, screw that. Why don't you come to the Charger tryout? I'll give you a tryout. He kept him on the team, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Antonio Antonio's going to the Hall of Fame. Antonio Gates is going to the Hall of Fame. Okay, he's going to the Hall. And that was a guy like that was a guy like Jeff Stoutland finding uh, Jordan Mulata along with Howie. So get this. So Stoutland goes to this camp in South Florida, sees the kid. He's got to go back to Philly and convince Howie to draft him. Howie. This kid has a chance. How he had to believe in Jeff Stoutland. So when Jeff Stoutland says, 
this is a guy I'd like us to draft. Howie Roseman must be doing this. Okay. And now you're going to have Jason Kelsey as a consultant. Because you know when Kelsey leaves his playing days, he's going into the front office and he's going to work with Jeff Stoutland in the O-line. And that that's going to get better. The Eagles aren't going to get worse in the O-line when, when Kelsey leaves. They're going to get better because you know why? They're going to be picking even more premier talent. And eventually one day, Jason Kelsey is going to be the Eagle O-line coach. You're going to have like Mike Munchak and like Russ Grimm. You're going to have a guy like that coaching the Eagles. And he's going to be the offensive line coach for the Eagles eventually one day down the line. I think Jason Kelsey wants to do that too. Sales is Stoutland the best offensive line coach in the NFL today. Yes. Um, Hudson Houck, Alex Gibb, the guy McKittrick in San Francisco was great. Um, Joe Bugle was great with the Hogs. Uh, Tony Weiss with the Cowboys was good. Um, those kind of guys, Stoutland's maybe above those dudes. Okay, maybe above them dudes. I would say the greatest old lineman coach I can remember is Alex Gibb. But I would say that I could throw, I could throw Mike Munchak and Jeff Stoutland into the conversation and feel comfortable saying Stoutland is in that room. Yeah. Like, could he be a Hall of Fame assistant coach? Yes. Yes. He could be. Sales of Hurts throws for three bills. You have to wear a Speedo all next week. <laughs> uh, uh, might be, I might be talking at a higher pitch, though, bro. And Truth, do you really want to see that? <laughs> Come on, Truth, right? Let's make it so we don't throw up next week at least. By the way, don't forget our good friend. Um, our good friend's going to join us, Merrill Reese, at 5.30 Eastern time. Let's take a time out. Hour three. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps.
Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Mulebronner, managing partner at Delval Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! at the bottom of the hour, 5.30 Eastern time. I listened a little bit to that Tom Brady and Belichick um, podcast that Tom does with Jim Gray. I'm going to make a comment to you here. I think that Belichick and Brady's relationship will get better now that Tom is no longer a player. And they'll be able to they'll be able to enjoy what they accomplished more together now that they're not competitive like that against one another. I think both, both men are going to, I think both men are going to respect what they did. And I think it is, I think it's going to be something to watch as their relationship grows. I don't think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get better. I think the relationship with those two guys are going to be better. You can already see Belichick respecting because think about this with Belichick. You know, he hasn't won a playoff game in four years since Brady left the building. I think he respects it even more now going, Jesus, man, this guy here did so many things. And would we not agree? Watch this. Jalen Hurts gives you a sense of confidence going into – a game every week. He's now starting to build that equity up where when you go into a game, 
he's not going to be the reason you lose a game. Does that make sense? Right? He's he's not going to be the reason that they lose a ball game. He's not a turnover machine. 85, Dan, do you see the Eagles having a good running attack versus the Chiefs? 85, I do. Who on that team frightens you but Chris Jones? And I don't even know if he frightens you. After watching Jason, watch this. Here's why Chris Jones doesn't worry me. You know why Chris Jones doesn't worry me? Chris Jones versus Jason Kelsey. I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Kelsey in that arm wrestling match. And then you got to say Amalo, the way he's playing. Say Amalo has picked his game up so much the last month and a half. Dude, he's playing great football. He is playing great football right now. I don't see how. Watch this, guys. I'm, I'm going to make you a promise come Monday. If the Eagles run the ball for 250 yards and Jalen throws for 175 yards and runs for 85 yards and has no turnovers and has two touchdowns, um, throwing and one, that's a phenomenal football game. Because they beat them up with exactly what they can't do. If the Eagles attack the weakness of the of the Chiefs and don't look at the two perimeter guys, 2,000-yard receivers, and they use them as decoys, I said it since Monday. I actually said it since last week. I think they run the the Chiefs off the field 31-17. I don't see it. This is really going to come down to Travis Kelsey. If the Eagles can't contain him and something else, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy and he's moving around and he's not hurt, his objective, in my opinion, the Kansas City Chiefs, have to get this game into the fourth quarter because the Eagles can end this game by halftime. They can end this game by halftime. Kansas City, what are they, um, a point and a half underdog? I jump all over that because I think the Eagles have a chance to put a lot of points up. How are you stopping? Here, watch this. Here, here's exactly how I would, I would go at Kansas City, okay? I would get Goddard going. I would see if Jalen – now, Jalen's wheels also have to play a factor here. I think that offense has kind of sputtered in the passing game, and the reason why you don't see those wideouts having big games is because the quarterback can't get out in the perimeter, and the RPO is not frightening anybody. Because I believe teams now believe that Jalen's hurt and his shoulder's more injured than what's being led on, and I don't think the Eagles are going to put him in a position to run out there like that in those RPOs. If they do, and he's healthy, man, I don't know where Kansas City defends him. I don't know how you defend that. And whether it's the Eagles, the Smeagles, or whatever, they're just, watch this. A dominant team, a power team versus a finesse team. I'll always take the power team, even if they're less talented. Like, watch this. Kansas City has some really great-looking athletes on that side of the ball. But you got two rookie corners. Really? A rookie corner on A.J. Brown. I want to see that. 
I want to see two rookie corners on A.J. Brown and Devontae running those routes across the middle like that. Watch this. I'm running these routes like this and Goddard up the middle. Dude, how, who are you defending? And if they get play action going, man, I don't I, – I, I, I just don't see Kansas City having the horses. Here's the keys. Mo- here, here's what I would do. But see, Gannon's not – and here, here's something. Remember something about Gannon. If Gannon sits back in that zone coverage and that zone and doesn't want to get beat deep, why wouldn't – why wouldn't Gannon bring pressure on Mahomes? You have two factors here to keep an eye on. Watch this. Guys, the quarterback's ankle hurts. They don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. A, a, a Yale, GT, didn't, didn't Tyreek Hill have a monster game against the Eagles last year? Okay. Didn't he have a monster game? Well, he ain't on that team anymore. He's not on that team. The Chiefs don't have anybody. They don't have anybody that threatens the plus 25 play. Juju Smith-Schuster? Watch it. You guys, he killed us. But he ain't there. They don't have anything like that. I don't fear the deep pass. Why wouldn't Gannon play more press? Let's see if Mahomes can move. He can't move, man. That's going to be all night long. Reddick's going to be the MVP of the game. He'll had 186 yards receiving and three touchdowns. And on top of that, they had 200 yards rushing. And they're not a running attack team. Because Hill scared Jonathan Gannon so bad. Hey, by the way, Tone, do me a favor. What was the completion percentage for Patrick Mahomes in that game? I don't think he threw for a ton of yards in that game. What was his completion? What were his numbers? Completion percentage and the yardage. I don't need uh, attempts and uh, completions. Thanks, Tone. I appreciate that, brother. Um, He had 186 yards. That guy's not there, man. That guy's not there. Look at Mahomes. Mahomes was 80% completion percentage. 278 yards passing on only 30 attempts. They ran the ball for 200 yards and they had five touchdowns. Bro, if you give up 80% completion percentage to Patrick Mahomes, he'll put a 50 burger on you. He'll put a 50 burger on you. That's why you don't have Hill. Press his ass. Press those wideouts. The key is covering Kelsey. I don't believe the Eagles have anybody that could cover Travis Kelsey. I wish Avante Maddox was playing because he's the guy I'd put on him. So if I'm going to put anyone on him, I'm probably going to put C.J. Gardner on him. But at the end of the day, that's still a physical mismatch. He's bigger. Saw a conspiracy, 37-34 Chiefs go up. 10 nothing in the first. I don't see that. Hertz was 66%, 386, two touchdowns. Smith had seven catches for 122. That's a heck of a game. And get this, that's no AJ. That's no AJ in that game. And Sanders was probably not a factor in that game. 
Okay. That's a really good ball game against Kansas City and Spagnola. 66 completion percentage. That's at the cutoff. That's good. 387. That's really good. And two touchdowns. Dude. So Smith, Devontae Smith had seven catches for 122 a year ago. I'm going to tell you this to you. You got two rookies out there. I want to test that out again. I want to test that out again. Maurice missed my point once again. Not putting. Okay. If you give up, Maurice, 80% completion percentage to Patrick Mahomes, he'll put a 50 burger on you. That means he's eight out of every 10 attempts. He's going to throw for 500 yards on you if you do that. Use your brain. Okay? Use your brain. Jesus, criminy. The guy broke the single season NFL passing yardage number. And if he gets 80% against that Eagle defense, Dak Prescott was 77 and put a 40 burger on you. Dak Prescott was 77.8% completion percentage for 357 and put a 40 burger on you. That kid in Kansas City with Andy Reid is better. Use your brain. Use your brain. You can't let Patrick Mahomes throw the ball at 80% completion percentage. Maddox is playing. Well, I try, I, I, I need a big body on Kelsey. Okay? That means a big body on Kelsey. We did not have the current safeties in that game. You did in the Dak game. Your corners were the same. Your safeties weren't. Your corners were. Brad Berry and Slay, he torched you. Dak torched you. Dak, who sucks. Okay? Neil, yell. Don't let Patrick Mahomes throw for 80%. Kaiser White. Kaiser White on Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey wins that. Travis Kelsey wins that. Jesse goes, Sills, do you think Reddick gets around Orlando Brown? I do. I don't think Orlando Brown has the flexibility he once did on defending defensive ends. By the way, um, Merrill Reese is going to join us here in a couple seconds. Um, he did, and people wonder why Gannon gets criticized. Yeah. Last time the Eagles played Kansas City, they held Kelsey to four catches and 23 yards. Maybe they considered defending Kelsey the same way as before. Yeah, but because Kelsey was there with Tyree Kill, Tyree Kill got off. Okay? Tyree Kill got off. They didn't have to go to him. Had four catches. How many targets? Six? He gets targeted way more now. He had six targets. Dude, when 
Hey, and watch this, Tone, when you're running the ball for 200 yards. But, but they ran the ball for 200 yards on them. That was the key to that Kansas City game last year. Wasn't so much Hill. It was more the fact that Kansas City, that's probably their best running game in two years. Running the ball for 200 yards like that. You think you're going to hold Patrick Mahomes at 230 yards? Wow. That would be quite a deal. Hold, you hold him at 230 yards, you'll put a 50-burger on them. They averaged six yards a carry last year. Now, completely different team. Sweat's better. The interior's better. Linebacking plays better. So, it's a completely different defense. It is. It's a completely different defense. Okay? Than a year ago. Still, it's Mahomes. Blankenship. Big play Super Bowl. We'll see. Still, the Eagles need the linebackers to ball out. They surely do. Feet, they have to have it. That they, they, Because Kelsey is going to be the key to their success. He really is. He's going to be the key to the success here with this. Okay? Totally going to be the key here. Because what else do they have? Now, look, I think Patrick Mahomes makes a lot of people better around him. Okay? I do. Um, you know, one thing I want to say about the Eagles that I, that I haven't maybe mentioned enough. And, and, and by the way, I'm going to get into the great Super Bowl quarterbacks in NFL history. And I rank my top 10 and let's see if you guys agree. We'll have a little fun with that. You know, what's really cool about this team. They're fun. It's a fun group of guys. They look like they enjoy playing with each other. Like, compare it to the Cowboys for a second. You think those guys like being Cowboys? Or do you think those guys like trying to win and having a – you think the Cowboy players have a goal to win a Super Bowl every year? Or do you think they enjoy being Cowboys? I think those guys enjoy being Cowboys too much and not being teammates. I think these Eagle guys enjoy being teammates. I think they enjoy being teammates. I do. I think they enjoy being around one another. I think they enjoy winning. I think they pull for one another. I think these guys are all about winning the most important thing that they can because they know their legacy is wrapped around that Lombardi trophy. Okay? The brand gets in the way. That's right, Yale. You see, when you're in Dallas, you're a TV star. When you're in Philadelphia, you're a football star. I think there's a massive difference. Listen listen closer to what I said. When you're a Dallas Cowboy player, you're a TV star. When you're in Philly, you're a football star. And I think those are two completely different ways on how you approach Sundays. If you're a TV star, it's all about you. You're in the kayak and you're rowing and you're the only one in the kayak. When you're in Philly, you're in a boat with 53 other guys rowing in the same direction. 
That's how I look at Dallas. Okay? Dallas is, and I played there. You're a team star. It's remarkable. Well, I'll tell you what, the legend of Philadelphia continues to grow in my eyes. What Brad Johnson said in the last hour about Philadelphia and what they would not let the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do, there's only one person that could absolutely validate this. I want to go to the legendary and to our friend Merrill Reese right now who's going to be calling another Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we had Brad Johnson on, Merrill, in the last hour. And I asked him, I go, what was it like? And he goes, man, it was really the toughest game we played that year was the NFC Championship game. And he goes, you want to know something which is even crazier? When we won the game, the Eagle management would not allow us to celebrate on the field because they did not want the Bucs to close out the vet. So we're the only team in NFL history that had to celebrate the NFC title game in the locker room because the Eagles would not allow them to celebrate closing the vet out. Now that's from Brad Johnson's lips. So just some, just some validation on this here. Have you ever heard that story? Never, ever, ever, (laughs) never, ever, ever. But I can tell you for for Eagles, that was a miserable game. (laughs) Hey, Hey Merrill. So he goes, well, you know, they came to us as we were getting ready. We were waiting for the confetti. There was no confetti, and I go, uh, "Well, they they, goes, they they had their confetti during the game." Donovan McNabb's favorite receiver was Rondé Barber. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> hey, you'll be on Angelo's show tomorrow for that one. <laughs> and I will tell you. Hey, Merrill. Eagles history. Merrill, give me your thoughts again as you head into Super Bowl week again, what this means. You know, before we get into the team and all, for you to be able to be witness to this, just just give me your thoughts and how you're feeling right now as you get ready to call another Super Bowl for this legendary uh, team. I'm excited, but you have to take into consideration I'm excited calling a preseason game. I just love it so much. But, of course – it means everything. It really means everything. Um, I don't know if, if I told you this this story before, but back back years ago, uh, in days when dinosaurs still inhabited the earth, I got on the plane in 1981 to come home from New Orleans, where the Eagles the day before had lost to the Raiders in Super Bowl 15. And as I got on the plane, you would have thought that the guys were upset and angry and depressed because they were they lost that was a one-sided game and instead they were they were full of fight and they said we are going to be back there next year because now we have the experience we know what it's like we know how to win one of these things well next year came 25 years later 2004 that's when it came so this is a game where this is not the 2018 team. Only seven guys from that team are on this team. This is an opportunity for these guys 
to nail down the win of a lifetime. Every player has to go into this game thinking, this is the last game I'm ever going to play. This is the most important game of my life. I may never have another chance. They can't say, we're young, we're going to be good for the next five years, six years, because you know what? These guys will never play a game together again. Guys will depart. There'll be retirements. There'll be free agents coming and going. It, it will be totally different. This is a unique team. It's the best Eagles team I've ever been around. They've got to make this performance count for the ages. Merrill, I made a comparison with two of your guys in the O-line, Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. I went back in NFL history, and I started thinking about Hall of Fame duo offensive linemen, and the only name that names that come to mind are Shell and Upshaw. And yeah. if these two guys win their second title in five years, I mean, this is – I mean – they're both first ballot Hall of Famers. I mean, I it's been remarkable. You think that's a fair comparison? Um, Upshaw and Shell, I mean, they're both Hall of Famers, both these guys. I, I don't know that these guys are first ballot Hall of Famers, but I think they're Hall of Famers for sure. But uh, I think that's a very good comparison. I do, Dan. That's a very good comparison. They're, they are Hall of Famers, both of them, and they're outstanding. And you know what? We don't know yet. We don't know yet how good – Jordan Mailata, and um, how, how good he's going to, to turn out to be. I mean, even he, Dickerson. Yeah, Landon Dickerson could turn out to be a perennial all pro. We don't know that. But uh, conceivably, and they, now the other guy who was, is a Hall of Famer, no doubt at all, is Jason Peters. But he was out for the, the 2018 game. He was injured early in the season. But but you're right. I mean, this is an amazing offensive line. Jeff Stoutland yesterday was asked a question about Malata. And again, this goes back to Howie, Merrill. I mean, he goes down. I, I heard the story. He goes down to Miami because Malata was at a camp. There was one other team that showed interest. It was the Steelers that they were thinking of doing it. So Stoutland goes back and convinces Howie and says, hey, look, just draft a guy. So Howie didn't want to put up a big pick, but no one had a lot of interest, but he didn't want anyone to get him. So he takes him in the seventh round. And there's another pick between Jalen Hurts and him. I mean, now you got the guy making $16 million a year and his best football is still ahead of him. That's quite a story at that left tackle position. And he can sing. He can sing, yes. <laughs> you know, he was on that mask, whatever. He was he was on that, and he sang beautifully. The Eagles put out a Christmas album, and he was great. And Lane can sing. Lane's a baritone, and Jordan sang on it. They they you know they can sing and they can play. That's a good combination. And they can sing and dance. Now let's see if they sing and dance all the way to another Super Bowl title. Let's go here with this. So according to um, Sal Palantonio. Through Tim McManus, um, the owner was asked a question about Jalen Hurts' contract extension, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, listen, um, he's exactly what we are looking for. Jalen doesn't have to prove a thing any longer. And so it's finally been addressed that, again, the numbers are going to be something that they're probably going to have to ping pong back and forth. But 
that's the first time the owner has publicly come out and said that this guy here is our guy moving forward. How do you think this plays out, Merrill? Well, I, honestly, it's not exactly breaking news. I no. mean, it'd be crazy to let him ever escape. He has proven at 24 years old that he is made of the right stuff. He's got, as they say, a triple threat, the arm, the legs, and the minds. And he's a leader. And he is revered by other members of the team. And he is a tireless worker. He just wants to get better every single day. He's he's really special. They've got a diamond in their midst, and they better better lock him up and put him in a vault and bring him out on Sundays. Merrill, I'm going to tell you this here, man. I don't see it again. I think this thing's the 31-17 ass beat, and I think the Eagles put it to him. I just don't see. I mean, look, and I go here. Okay, I get Travis Kelsey. He's going to be a nightmare to to have to defend, but I also don't see the linebackers that could defend Goddard. I mean, if you go back even to the game a year ago, uh, Andy Reid ran the ball for 200 yards, but this is a different interior defensive line. You got Reddick now that passes better corners. Um, it looks like Avante's going to play. I mean, let me ask you as an analyst here, where do you see the advantage for Kansas City to keep this game into the fourth quarter and get it into the fourth well, quarter? It, it department by department, the Eagles are the better team. Yeah, but but Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he's he's you can you can tape his legs with duct tape, and he'll still find a way to hop out of there and throw from one of those platforms. Let me ask you a question because I really respect you. I have to do, I have to come up with three keys at the beginning of the game on the pregame show. So I just put them together. Tell me if you agree. All right. Okay. Number one. Keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. Even with a sprained ankle, he can dash and attack a defense. Be selective with the blitz. He'll find open men in an instant. That's number one. Number two, come out throwing the football. Jalen Hurts' arm is fine. During the regular season, the Chiefs were only 18th against the pass. Attack their inexperienced secondary. And number three, practice ball security. Turnovers kill. Super Bowl 52 turned when Brandon Graham caused Tom Brady to fumble. This game could come down to a late turnover. Jalen Hurts threw six interceptions this season. Mahomes threw twice that number. Those are my keys. Absolutely. I would say this to you too, Merrill. you got two rookies at the cornerback position. Yeah. you got 2,000-yard receivers. Last year in the game, the game – was really dictated because they ran the ball for 200 yards and they had Tyree Kill who had 183 yards and three touchdowns and Mahomes threw for five. The key is going to be keeping that percentage down. He had 80% completion percentage. Yep. Corners are different this year. For me, again, you have to keep the edges contained. You yep. have to keep him in the pocket. That's He's a magician when he gets out. Now, I would also do this though, Merrill. I would move that guy around a little bit and get him off his point in the pocket. See if his ankle is healthy, okay? Because if his ankle's not healthy, that means you can pin your ears back. Because to me, I want to find out if he's healthy or not. And I'm not sure he's going to be completely healthy. So maybe I bring my corners up. Instead of playing more zone, maybe I press the wideouts a little bit. Because Juju Smith-Schuster and the other guys – they're not going to beat the Eagles. That guy on the scene, Travis Kelsey, to me, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White are the key. 
If they can't defend him, he keeps them in the ball game because Kelsey's a nightmare to defend. Oh, They've struggled all year, the linebackers, on covering tight ends. And this is the best pass-catching tight end. So to me, I think you got to be physical with them a little bit more. No question about it, too. I want to establish Goddard. And to me, I don't think the Kansas City linebackers can defend uh, Dallas Goddard. That will oh, – A.J. Brown and Devontae will be big in the second half if Dallas Goddard's big in the first half. It'll be a huge game for for, this, for those wide receivers in the second half. But you know what? Their M.O., Dan, is to throw the ball in the first half and run the ball and run the clock in the second half. Miles ends up with big yards in the second half as that defense starts to wilt. Do you think that they're going to put Jalen in a position – um, on the RPOs to run. Do you think they're going to run him oh, in yeah. the first half? You think he's okay? Oh, I think he's fine. Okay, so he's going to let it all hang out here? I, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, he's not afraid to run. He ran in the last game. Not a lot, but he still took off and ran. I think he's he may have an ache here and there, but there's he's he's not restricted. He, he can do everything he has to do. I would say this to you, Merrill. If he throws for 250, two touchdown passes – and runs the ball for 70-plus yards, I think the Eagles blow him out. If he puts – see, right now he's not really played well in the playoffs. I mean, 154 in the first with 39 yards rushing. Second game, he had 122. And if you take the 30-yarder away, he had 93 yards passing and 39, 40, 42 yards rushing. So they really haven't asked him to do anything in those two games, in the right. divisional game. That's but true. if he puts – and they still won, which is the key to this. And they still won convincingly, 31-7. I can't think of a team that won an NFC title, Merrill, that the quarterback didn't play great, and they blew him out. Yeah, but that was that was a rarity, Dan. I've done these games for 46 years, and I've never seen them play an offense for an entire half that can't throw a ball more than five <laughs> yards. So that's that's an outlier. You'll never <laughs> see that again. I mean, they would have been better off having Christian McCaffrey run RPOs. But they I agreed. Nobody, nobody. No, I would have. You know what I would have did, Merrill? And I completely got on Coach Kyle Shanahan. I would have. I would have put McCaffrey in the Wildcat. Yeah. And I would have ran the Wildcat for the rest of the game in the second sure. half. And I and I would have put Debo Samuel on jet sweeps. And I would have ran that kind of stuff because they after Johnson got knocked out of the game, Merrill, they completely lost their poise. I'm being able to move the chain. So, to me, I, I'm going to throw something at you, too. I, I, I think the guy who could be the MVP of this game is Hassan Redick. I mean, he wrecked both games. He has been a bullet. And I don't care what they say about Orlando Brown. I do not believe Orlando Brown has the flexibility to defend this guy. If Mahomes can't, if Mahomes is not able to move around, I think Redick has a big game. You could see a three-sack game from this guy. Yeah, you could. You could. It's it's tough to get to Patrick Mahomes under any circumstances. Let me ask you this. If the Eagles win this game, do they are they in your mind one of the best football teams of all time? Remember, it will be 17 wins. I would say this to you, Merrill. This would probably be the best roster since the Cowboy dynasty where they won those three and four. So whatever you think of that Cowboy team, because look at what they have. 
There are so many stars that are all over the football team that I would put them – look, the Steeler team of the 70s, in my opinion, is the greatest collection of football players of all time with all those Hall of Famers that Chuck Noll put together. This is free agency, and I think it's harder to build today than then because you could accumulate back then. Now you can't accumulate. So in today's context with the cap, how about if I put it this way and put a designation on this? In the salary cap era, I think this could be the best roster and the best team that's ever been put together during the salary cap era. Remember, that Cowboy team didn't have to deal with salary cap. This team has to deal with it. So in the cap era, Merrill, I would probably put them right up there with the best team in the cap era. You want to hear a funny story? I did a series once for ESPN with the late Steve Sable, and he put the whole thing together in NFL films, and it was called uh, the, the Greatest Team of All Time. And it was a tournament, and it matched teams from different eras against each other. And they did that by changing uniform numbers, you know, artistically with paint and doing all this. So you can have the 72 Dolphins play the 85 Bears or whatever they and, – and the tournament went down to the end, and the Steelers ended up – the Steel Curtain Steelers ended up winning the final game over the Dolphins. And the next day, Don Shula – called Steve Sable and reamed him out. He said, my team never lost on the field. How could you make them lose? <laughs> I, lo- I I have to ask you this now, since you've been in it for a long time. Did you know John Facenda? I knew who John Facenda was, certainly, and I met him on a few, a few occasions to say hello uh, late in his life when he was no longer – the great anchor on Channel 10 uh, when he was at a luncheon here and there and had just narrated a Phillies highlight film. But uh, that was the only time I really met John Facenda, but I I certainly knew who he was. And he was part of a a great Channel 10 uh, news team that included my friend who I got to meet very late in his life, but had lunch with him, Jack Whitaker. Wow, man. That is legendary guys, man. That some really great broadcasters that have rolled through Philadelphia. That's great stuff. Okay, so Merrill, expecting a win Sunday? I never expect anything. I expect a good game. I expect a tight game. If if the Eagles play their best game, you know, Tiger Woods always talked about his A game. If the Eagles play their A game, I think they'll win. Okay. Hey, do we extend Nick Sirianni if he wins? I don't know. I think I think they have to work on Jalen Hurts first. <laughs> it's only Nick Sirianni's second year. I don't think there's any doubt that Nick Sirianni is going to be here beyond well beyond his first contract. But I think I, I don't think that's among their most pressing needs. But maybe they do. Maybe they do give him a bump. Well, because I ask you because they did that for Doug. After Doug won the Super Bowl, they added an extra year on. I would just make maybe thought like a pat on the back. Hey, congratulations. Well, then, then you're right. Maybe you're right. I wasn't even I, – I forgot about that. That, But that, that didn't do much good, did it? Because two years later, he was gone. <laughs> I, I know. No, hey, hey, I'll tell you one thing. You are Nostradamus a little bit. You called everything with Trevor and with Doug because oh, yeah. it all came true because he's in the Pro Bowl. 
and Doug ends up winning a playoff game and a division in the first year down there. Yeah, and, and they're going to be even better next year. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be a an outstanding quarterback. I think they're going to they're going to own that division. Merrill, have a great call this weekend. Thank you so much for your time. I respect you so much. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Dan. Always nice being on with you. You bet. The legendary Merrill Reese. I can't wait to listen to him on Sunday. I'll be listening to him. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, managing partner at Delval Insurance Group. 
Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Yo, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I hear Meryl Reese say that I really respect your opinion, Dan? Hmm. Got a great text from him, too. Ran his keys by. And I, I, I just told him, I said, I think they're great. Yeah, no, I, I said I think they're I, I think you're right on. Uh threw you a curve. What does that mean, Yale? Mel Reese, your guy, said that he respects Big Sill so much. He's being nice, Dan. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, hold hold on. Hold on. Somebody in Philly? Is being nice to Big Sills? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, I think. Look at Joseph. Of course, always bringing a Philly twink to the whole thing here. Look what he says here. Look, Sills. I think Merrill's drinking. Don't believe what he says. No, no, no. Remember this. Show sucks. So, no, no, I suck. The show's good, though. Remember? That's how we do it here. He hates your takes but respects your opinion. No, that's you, maniac. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That's you. See, see, see what maniac just did? He hates. No, no, no. You should have just went like this. I hate your takes but respect your opinion. <laughs> Yeah, look at look at Neil. And, and, and Neil, you're gonna have to explain what Henny is out there to a bunch of white folks because I don't believe they know what Hennessy is. Okay, so Neil, I'm here to help. <laughs> hey, hey, Neil, you're gonna have to help some of the white folks out there. <laughs> okay, hey, hey, that that Henny's Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> Merrill went to Temple? No. Did he? Merrill went to Temple? Really? That's crazy. I didn't know that. Charlie, I'm Charlie. Charlie. Don't be sensitive like you're sitting in section 700, okay? Don't be don't be sensitive like you're section 700. That's a name for a great show. You know, instead of calling this the National Football Show, we should call this Section 700. We should call this Section 700. That's a name for a great show. Is it not? Section 700, where you all talk shit. 
sections. And get this, only people in Philly would know what that is. Nobody around the country would know what Section 700 is. Okay? <laughs> Look at this guy. 81C, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> People are probably watching in California going, Section 700? What is that? Do they serve cheese and wine? No, man. They serve, they serve Iron City. <laughs> And stale crackers. <laughs> the 700 Club? Sure, no kids allowed. <laughs> Only strippers and dudes. <laughs> hey, really, you know what you should have had at a vet, at the vet, instead of a jail? You should have had a strip club. <laughs> you probably did. <laughs> Oh my God. Section 700. Somewhat everybody run the country would be like, what's that? That's a name for a great show in Philly. Section 700. 700. They serve ass kickings for out of towners. Hey, where do I sit? Down in the toilet. Only, only boss at the. Okay, that, that's enough. I'm going to have a cardiac arrest. That's enough. Okay. We serve peels. They serve peels. Holy cow, is that way old school? Yeah, man. Hey, Sills, man. Schaefer beer, bitch. Rheingold. Peels. Okay. Remember, this is hardcore drinking, dude. If you want a 40, get a Colt. We got them too. So they serve Peels, Wrangle, Schaefer Beer, Ballantine, Peels, and Mad Dog 2020, and also 40s. You got Magnums, or you can get a Colt. Whatever, whatever suits your fill. It's all good. We got it for you. Okay. Oh, I wish I was, Charlie. I wish I could have seen that. I was on the field for her, but I never looked up and knew what 700 was. Good old, good old Schmidt's beard. Schmidt's gave me the shit. <laughs> Olympia. Oh, my God. Holy cow. Big Seals could probably drink 70 Olympias. Remember them Coors beers, too? Shit, man, I could probably gun down 100 of them. I think, I, hey, I have to think my, let's see, at a, at, a, at, a, at a fraternity. My aunt, this is years ago, not now. But at a fraternity. Tone, you'll like this too. So they got a trans, they got a trans uh, transmission funnel. Not a little funnel, but a transmission funnel. They put a case in, and I was at a fraternity, and Big Sills did it. I thought I was going to throw up all over the place, but I got it down. I did it. Milwaukee's best. <laughs> he had some really killers, killer selections at the vet. Um. Big Sills, what are you drinking at the vet? Let's see. Peels, um, Old Style, Ballantine, Schaefer's, Iron City. I do like Iron City, by the way. Uh, I don't know. Never drink with a dude that has a Michelob light. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 
if, if hey 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 tone if you ever go to a bar don't ever have a beer with a guy who drinks light beer just he's he's not a dude just he, he, dudes don't drink Michelob lights that's not working okay don't ever drink a beer with a dude that drinks like light beer it's like eating half a sandwich <laughs> never 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 do half a sandwich the greeny screamers. Look at you guys, man. Corona light? All right. Corona light. I'm good with that because I have had that. Steel Reserve is awesome. Hey, I wrote these guys down before we get out of here. I want to hit on this. Maniac is 8.1%. Really? Huh. Mickey's. Like it. All right. I wrote these 10 quarterbacks down and quarterback... In Super Bowl history. I got Namath 10th. Most significant game in Super Bowl history. I got Eli Manning 9th. I hate this guy, but he did win two against the GOAT. You got to have him in the top 10. I hate the guy, but Eli Manning, two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs. I got him 9th. I got Steve Young, eight. I got Peyton Manning, seventh. I got Roger Staubach, sixth. I got Troy Aikman, fifth. I got John Elway, fourth. I got Bradshaw, third. I got Montana, second. And I got Brady one. So here's top, my top 10 quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era. I know somebody said star. I'm like, I'm a little too old, too young for that. I didn't see Bart Starr play. So um, excuse me for my, for my youth with that. But I know Starr won two Super Bowls. And I wouldn't know he won the first two. And he was an MVP in both of them. But I got Brady one, Montana two, Bradshaw three. Elway four, Aikman five, Stallback six, Manning, Peyton seven, Young eight, Eli nine, and I got Namath tenth. Namath has got to be the only quarterback. Had get this, you know the distinction of Namath. Namath is the only quarterback to have more interceptions than touchdowns and a losing record. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Seriously. I think he's 60% completion percentage too. I know they was a whole different passing game back then. But yeah, Joe Namath doesn't, has more interceptions than touchdowns. And he has more losses than wins. And he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And actually, if you think about it, Stabler was the better pro quarterback because he was on a better team, obviously, with the Raiders. And he won one Super Bowl. He beat the Vikings. Because, believe it or not, Plunkett has two. Jim Plunkett has two Super Bowl victories. Um, Cunningham over Eli. <clears throat> Cunningham was a better player, I think, than Eli. Eli has to be higher, Sills. I don't like him, but two over the GOAT. I know, Sean. Probably so, you know. Probably so. Stabler has more INTs than 
than TDs. He does too. I didn't know that. I know Namath does. Eli, I know, man. I, I, hard for me to give Eli a lot of love. No Big Nick. Dude, Big Nick had a big game. He did. He had a big game. These guys are all Hall of Fame. Well, yeah. Eli's going to be a Hall of Famer. He is. Guys, I appreciate it. Here we are, Super Bowl 57 week. Um, we're getting Randy Cross on tomorrow, and believe it or not, I believe we are going to get Montana on someday this week. We're working on Joe Montana. So Joe's trying to find some time for us to um, come on for a couple minutes for us and talk a little bit. He loves Jalen Hurts, by the way, but I want him to say it. <laughs> so we're working on Montana. Uh, Xander, thank you, man. Tone, you have been spectacular. Thank you so much for your input. You are great till tomorrow. Guys, thank you. It's going to be a great Super Bowl Sunday. I cannot wait till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. We'll see you on the flip side. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.